where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It is 7 o'clock in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, a licensed Rolex jeweler. Hope you kids had a good weekend. Did you know there's such a thing as Easter Monday? Today's Easter Monday. Yeah, some people don't have work. That's pretty <laughs> cool. I, I like that. My Hazelwood Central doesn't have school, therefore they don't have no oh, teachers really? in the building. Well, yeah. happy Easter Hazelwood Monday. School district. Yeah. It's the second Easter, uh, second day of Easter, and a yeah. public holiday in some countries. Yeah. In Western Christianity, it marks the second day of the Octave or Octave. Yeah. Of Easter. So now you know via radio. The more you know. Mm-hmm. Hazelwood got out on Friday and Monday. Oh, those four days. That's a long days. weekend. So that's a good work week. Yeah, that's, yeah the four-day work week? Yeah. I'm good back with the three-day work week, too. I, I mean, whenever, whenever they decide to do that here, they'll uh, let us know. Yeah. We'll be all for it. We are proponents of so, that. Either way, happy Easter Monday. Enjoy the uh, the leftover. <laughs> Now's the is it a is it an extra holiday because you can go and get discounted candy? Because I yesterday uh, it was already discounted Brooke, at Walgreens. Brooke, I it did was that. already discounted. As a, as a kid, I would ride my bike up to Walgreens to get half price jelly beans. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, you got on Easter Sunday. That. Yeah, the or Cadbury any day eggs after, after a holiday. Yeah, well, it was big. The jelly beans were big for me for Easter. Now, half price Reese's eggs. Yeah. yeah, you're all for those. Yeah, I am. I did see those, and but I I also grab. I'm not having any of the candy right now, but I was very sweet, and for my fiance, I grabbed some of the Cadbury cream eggs. Oh yeah, which That's are awesome. super good. That's good. And does do you like those? Does he taunt you with them? Um, luckily, he didn't eat them in front of me, so that was very, very nice of him. Yeah, very you know, nice. I, I, I really liked that because <laughs> I can't see those delicious Cadbury cream eggs. They look so good. That's like an Easter staple, right? It really is. I love those things. You're right. Hey, the Cardinals dropped two of three over the weekend. They lost to the Brewers 4-0 on Friday. Jack Flaherty, I was telling Matthew this morning, that what we need to do with Jack Flaherty is just not watch the games. Just don't watch the game. Just know that he allowed two runs on five in five innings. Okay. You take that. You say, okay, my starting pitcher in 2023, he allowed two runs in five innings. I'm good. Don't look at the end result. Don't tell me about the labor. Just show me the baby. <laughs> you oh, don't want to see the. You don't want to see the game, Randy. You just want to see the. <laughs> if he gives me that end result, I'm fine. I, I, I'm, more, I'm, I'm more upset with the offense. Um. Yeah, 4-0. Unfortunately, you know, it didn't get it didn't get the the results that you wanted, right? They didn't get going offensively in that game for Flaherty. Uh yeah, I mean, 
I don't really know what to think of this 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 team right now. I think we got some more so pitching is still a concern, mm-hmm. um, but still still a concern nonetheless. But you do have Jordan Montgomery who on Saturday night yes. went seven innings, allowed two hits. He threw seven shutout, nine strikeouts. And the Cardinals did get some offense on Saturday, notably from Nolan Arenado. He's the man in town. Swing, high fly ball. That's hammered deep to left. Did Arenado do it? Yes, he did. Number 300 in Milwaukee. So that's a good thing. Arenado uh, getting closer to that Hall of Fame resume. And another guy who's going to build a Hall of Fame resume hit another home run later in that game. There's a shot hammer to left. Yelich going back. He's going to turn. That ball is off the top of the wall and gone. A J-bomb for Walker, and the Cardinals are pouring it on. Some people don't like J-bomb. I'm all over the J-bomb for Chip Carey. I love it. I, I thought that was – I love that call. I enjoy it. I, I, I expect to hear many of those throughout the years. Now, I am going to text Chip and point out that it's got to be a J-bomb for J-Dub. Because oh. J-Dub's got to be his nickname. I like that. Yeah. And he deserves it right now because he's doing really well. I I mean, he's, what is he? He's leading the team right now and hitting with a 353 batting average right now. That's, and he's as good as Ted Williams. And Yes, you had that happen. And also, I liked his response <laughs> to it afterwards, too, where he was just like, yes, but I wish we could have won the game. And of course, he said he understands, you know, the hitting streak and the meaning behind it. But still, the the fact that he is so focused on just winning right now, and he's not trying to get too caught up in the moment. And everybody's saying, I mean, I can't tell you how many, how many times I've looked at the TV, and they're like counting down each day the closer that he's getting to 21. I feel like you <laughs> yeah, know, it's like amazing. 20 and however many days and all that stuff. And you, that takes a lot to be able to not get caught up in that. And the way that he's responding to all this, and as I mentioned, he's leading your team and hitting right now too so i don't know maybe some of the other guys need to take uh you know some hitting lessons from jordan walker or maybe he's just not making it too big right now early on i think he's just dialed in i think he is i think this is what the entire organization saw in spring training not bothered not rushed everything that that happens is on his time at his pace and he is just seeing the ball well they're throwing everything at him and you know he's he's seen the ball really well. He got a got his home run versus a lefty. That was that was important, right? He he was unable to hit lefties in in, in spring training, and so now you do that. You, you're showing each step of the way that you're able to mm-hmm. get better each time. So it's for me, it's it's exciting to see. By the way, the Ted Williams comp, J Dub becomes the first hitter since Ted Williams to get a hit in each of his first nine games. Obviously, Ted Williams subsequently cooled off. Just a little bit. Swing and a shot to center field. That's going to get down for a base hit. Late break for Arenado. He's going to score without a play. And Jordan Walker has another hit. And the Cardinals are on the board. It's a 2-1 game. But the Cardinals lost by a score of 6-1 yesterday. Woody goes four and two-thirds. He allows three earned runs. He struck out five and only walked one. Palante got knocked around a little bit. He went two innings. He'll have four runs on seven hits. Jordan Hicks, an inning in two-thirds. He only had one walk, and he got five outs. I'll take that. And then Zach Thompson coming on with a scoreless inning. And Drew Verhagen has been a revelation for the Cardinals. But they do lose by a score of 6-1. to one. Yeah. It, you know, I wasn't exactly upset with the starting pitching this weekend. 
I mean, yes, with Jack Flaherty, you don't like to see those walks. And that is, if he doesn't, whatever is going on, if he doesn't figure that out, that is going to come back and hurt him and the Cardinals. But to me, I was more concerned with the timely hitting. So the whole Mm -hmm. weekend, the Cardinals went a combined 5 for 24 with runners in scoring position. That's a dismal 208 batting average just this weekend. Yeah, they need to be better. And that's been an issue really since the opening couple of games of the season against Toronto. Against Atlanta, that was a problem. They had so many innings where they had an opportunity to put runs on the board and they couldn't get the timely hit. And that's the kind of thing that eventually they, they'll find their level. They will, as the analytics fellas say, they will regress to the mean and they'll do what they've always done. Is there at one point, at what point do you start to consider moving Jordan Walker up in the lineup? I, because at some point you want him to have some runners on base when he's coming up. He, he's hitting the ball. He's seeing the ball. He, he took his first walk, which means he's really, you know, locked in and dialed in uh, to what's going on. Should have had a couple of walks. I think a couple of pitches were low that he got a strikeout on. But that, I think at what point do – my question is, what point do you decide to move him up in that lineup to have him near Goldie and Arenado, to have more runners on base so he can bring more guys in? Well, the thing is, is I think there needs to be some movement. One, I'm looking at – I would like to see Lars Newtmark coming back here soon and how he fits back into this because when he was playing on opening day, it felt like there was more of that kind of offensive punch. So I feel like his return is going to make a difference. I'm just going to point this out. I'm not saying anything negative against Paul Goldschmidt, but he's only had two RBIs as your number three hitter so far this season. Got to get people on. And Brendan Donovan has kind of been hit or miss in that leadoff spot as well. You would like to see more walks from him, anything like that. But I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I, To me, I'm I'm looking at you're missing a large newt bar. I know that you've had Burleson kind of in front of Paul Goldschmidt, so that doesn't exactly help in certain situations. Nothing against him. But I, I think that it's interesting to see how they will shift and move things. Yeah, and speaking of regressing to the mean, Goldie hitting three thirty three with a nine forty eight OPS. So he'll... He'll start to get those hits again. We just know that's who he is. And the Cardinals are back in action tonight. They take on the Rockies over in Denver. And uh, hopefully they'll be able to come away with a couple of victories against a bad Colorado team. Packy Naughton, by the way. Packy Naughton. Goes on the 15-day IL with a left forearm strain. The Blues lost to the Wild 5-3. The Blues will wrap up their season this week with two games. They will host the Stars on Wednesday and then wrap up at Dallas on Thursday. Jordan Bennington done for the year after playing a home game on Wednesday, or do they play him back-to-backs to, fi- to finish off the season? Uh, I mean, might have, I, I don't know. Bring why, Hofer back. Why not? Yeah. Bring, you think so? Yeah, Grice is done for the year, yeah. so... Just, uh, yeah, let Hofer play that last game. The Wild did score two shorthanded goals in a 20-second span in the first period. That's not great special teams. Randy, they almost scored a third. It hit the post. Yeah. They, help me understand how you are on a power play and giving up that many shorthanded opportunities. I would suggest that that might be a coaching issue. And that the people that are coaching the power play may have some work to do in terms of getting people in the right place at the right time. Or the right people, yeah, the right people on the right, on the ice. Uh, something, mm-hmm. it, you can't give up shorthanded goals. You, you gave up two, like I said, you had an opportunity to give up a third when it hit the post. It just, it, it didn't feel, you gotta finish. 
Yeah. You're, you're not going to the playoffs. You're not going to get that that coveted number one pick. You're you're meandering in the wilderness, right in the mm-hmm. middle of of nothingness. And so, but who are you? We are mo- nothingness. It's mediocrity. Oh, Randy, Ooh. that's nothingness in my. It book. is. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But, yeah, we'll, we'll get them next year. That's we'll, we'll get them next year. Uh, St. Louis City FC got blitzed in the second half against the Seattle Sounders, losing three nil on three second half tallies. Against the new king of the conference, the Seattle Sounders hate it. However, there was another good new team that did well this weekend. Your St. Louis Battlehawks in overtime, the first overtime game in the XFL. They beat the hated Vipers of Vegas 21-17. What a comeback. Without A.J. McCarron at the controls, by the way, the Battlehawks win at 21-17. Good job for them. I mean, they, they are they are playing well. They are right there in the in the hunt to, to make the playoffs and have an opportunity to uh, go against that tough defenders team that that mm-hmm. continues to just trounce everyone. I, I'm I'm excited about what they have. I, I'm so happy for my former teammate and Anthony Beckton, what he's done, what he's been able to do with this coaching staff, with this organization, and really just the amount of fans that continue to show up for for Battlehawk games. It's exciting for them for those men that are fighting their butts off to hopefully get an, a chance at an NFL roster. But what they're doing right now is, is, is special. And John Rahm started yesterday in the second round, four shots behind Brooks Kepka at the Masters. And John Rahm wound up winning. He was uh, the champion, and he beats out Phil Mickelson, by the way, who finishes in second place. Not a great day for Brooks Kepka, but a great day for John Rahm, who wins his first Masters. Good for him. Good. I mean, good for golf. Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good uh, live tour leaderboard yes. for a while too. Half of the top six were from the live tour, so <laughs> I, I, I thought it was cool. Yeah, well, I think, and I almost wonder too if the fact that Brooks Kepka plays, you know, for a live, if that affected things as well with this outcome. You know, I mean, they they don't have as many cuts, and it's it's different in that way. Oh yeah, I wonder if Number that affected. Only playing fifty four holes, yeah. exactly. Right. I don't think there's any question that. That had to well, you, you, I, I say that, but then Mickelson Phil was playing seven well. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so Mickelson was incredible, and Patrick Reed finished minus seven. So of your top five, three were live tour golfers. I thought, or, or I'm sorry, of your top six, no top five. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the only live tour golfer that didn't wear his live gear was Kepka. He stuck with the Nike gear. I don't know what his Nike contract is, but he kind of rejected what everybody else did in wearing their live tour caps and stuff. Mm, good luck to him. Yeah, he had he has to have had something worked out with that because I'm sure that they would be looking at their contract saying, ah, we're going to take back some of that money if you don't represent us out there. Well, and I wonder if the money from Nike is bigger than the Nike from the. Well, probably not, huh? No, because then why would he take maybe, it? Maybe he'd want to get kicked out of the live tour. Maybe, maybe he's trying to. Yeah, I'm healthy now. He did say on Friday. He said, you know, if I would have been healthy, I probably would. It would have been a more difficult decision for me. He, he left because he thought he was washed up. And I said that on the morning he left for the left tour, live tour. I said, he, the guy's, he's hurt. He can't play anymore. Yeah. And DeChambeau, the same thing. And DeChambeau got cut. So that's our, uh, we're, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. That's our opening segment. Coming up, three things we loved about the weekend with Brooke Carey, Randy on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> Time for three things we loved about the weekend here on 101 ESPN and number three. 
guys, I'm going to go with this. The weather consistently good enough to swing a golf club. I'm a happy camper. I'm ha- I'm happy as a clam right now because I can go out today and swing the golf club. I just love that time of year in St. Louis when the weather's good enough and it's not raining and it's not freezing. It's not cloudy. I'm, I'm good. I'm a happy guy. This is the time of year in St. Louis where one day you have your air on and then the next day you want to put your heat on and then three days later you think you're going to fall out because it's so hot in the house you got to put your air back on. It's like a, 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 a 10 day period where you don't know you're either sitting in misery or you're freezing at night. It's one or the other. Yeah, you got to have to keep like a jacket or coat on you. <laughs> you said that Rocky like got up and adjusted the temperature in the room too. It's a little warm in here. Because <laughs> we can't figure it out either what yes. temperature we need in this building or in this room. And by the way, take care of yourself if you're our friends in the Valley of the Sun, 98 today <sighs> and tomorrow. So, and 95 on Wednesday. So it's it's already warm there. They got, they got us beat. Good luck to those guys and gals. Yeah, no doubt. Randy, my number three is one of the things that happened during the pandemic was we got free boxing on ESPN. And ESPN has continued to allow us to see some very good boxers. Shakur Stevenson, if you've never seen him, is fantastic. He's a, a heck of a young boxer that that is a special talent. And then I got to see a young man named Jared Anderson, a heavyweight. One of the things about boxing that has been lacking is the heavyweight division. This man is about 6'4", 200-plus pounds, and is physical and hits hard. And that's what we like to see from our heavyweight boxers. Hopefully, he can help bring the heavyweight boxing uh, division back. But just boxing all in all, just seeing it free, not having to pay $89.99 for for four or five fights that are terrible, uh, it's good for me. I'm good to go. Who was the last great American heavyweight boxer? Oh... Man. Was it Tyson? I mean, if you're going that, yes, Tyson was was outstanding. But I mean, you got Holyfield who beat Tyson. Yeah. So you know he was. I would say that Michael Moore was pretty good. He was up there. I you know it, it's been a, a while. Yeah. I mean, you had the Klitschko brothers. You got some some guys. Deontay Wilder, if you want to put him mm-hmm. in, the, but I don't know if you want to say he's great. But I think we need an American. Yes. And I yes. think that's the. The, the key here for for that sport to thrive in America, we need a, a guy to cheer for. I do agree, though. I think like making it more readily available where you can watch it only helps grow the sport because then you kind of bring in new fans, maybe who haven't watched it before, and also get to know some of the names that are out there right now. So I agree. That's that's a really good thing. Well, my number three is going to play off what you were saying, Randy, because it was just such a beautiful weekend outside. I actually got to go out to Augusta. Not, not Augusta, Georgia. Oh, Augusta, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to see that. <laughs> I just wanted to see the reaction. I, I took a pause to see the reaction because I wanted to. Um, but yeah, no, it was, a, it was a beautiful weekend enjoying some wine. Awesome. Out that at the wineries. Awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was just beautiful outside. It was great. Um, it's a great drive, too, isn't yes. it? Getting out there. Uh, wine is one of the few things I can enjoy on my diet right now for those who are still <laughs> keeping track of that. So I didn't break my diet. I, I am allowed to have just a tad bit of wine. But it was just nice going out with friends and enjoying, you know, just the nice scenery and kind of rolling hills. It was beautiful. It's just like having grapes. Yeah, exactly. It's healthy. <laughs> Number two.
Guys, for me, number two was seeing the mastery of John Rahm yesterday. So overnight on Saturday, Brooks Kepka is the leader at 13 under, and Rahm is at 9 under, 4 behind. And I'm wondering, can Brooks possibly let this go? Well, they had to play essentially two rounds yesterday, and lo and behold, Brooksy did. He finishes at 8, and uh, Rahm finds his way to finish at 12 under. He finishes 3 under for the day yesterday for both rounds. You rally from 4 down against Brooks Kepka and win the Masters. That's a pretty impressive thing. And Rahm has just had a spectacular year. He might wind up having the best year in the history of golf. And so it was really fun to see the way that he thought and mastered a golf course. And he's not a guy like DeChambeau or even like Brooks when he's healthy that overpowers the golf course. He's got more of a, I'm not going to say a Tiger game, but he's a more creative golfer than the other two. He's more brains than brawn. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's good. Good for him. Good for golf. Uh, yeah, it was good. exciting to uh, watch the Masters. My number two, Randy, is a nine-game hitting streak by a young man named Jordan Walker. He is just, as I said earlier, doing a fantastic job. He got his first walk of the season, had his second home run versus the uh, Milwaukee Brewers of the season. He's, he's just seeing the ball really well. He's playing really well. He's not. He doesn't look out of sorts ever. You know, he looks like he belongs. He's not chasing bad pitches, and he's seeing the ball extremely well. For me, it's it's really fun to watch right now. He's something. And yep. to have a young player that was so hyped that's living up to the hype, yes. really cool. Yep. It really is. I mean, and he's just massive, <laughs> too. Yeah. I mean, just seeing him in person, it was just incredible. But you can't believe that he's 20 years old, and he's not acting like it with his performance right now, either. Well, my number two, here in St. Louis, I think we all know, right? We like our sports. We like our sports that you can, you know, show how well the fans are doing. And we like to be the first for things, right? Mm-hmm. And you got all that this weekend with the Battle Hawks. I mean, the first Good XFL call. team to win an overtime game this season or even play in one. So that was exciting to see. The XFL uses a shootout format with the two teams alternating two-point conversions from the five-yard line three times. Vegas failed on each of its first two attempts. St. Louis converted on both, and it was Brian Hill, the East St. Louis native, that was able to get them and secure the win for them. But 35,000 fans. Isn't that amazing? Oh, oh, there we go. Yeah. It's amazing how many people show up for, and I'm proud of St. Louis because we're just great sports fans. But the Battlehawks, to their credit, are providing a really good product, too. They are. And, I mean, that that's just exciting. That's exciting to see that, too, you were able to kind of etch your name in the XFL history books as mm-hmm. well. Still a game behind the defenders and actually a two-game deficit because D.C. is 7-1. and one. They've beaten the Battlehawks twice, so the Battlehawks are 6-2. and two. But second-best record in the whole league now. Houston now has fallen to 5-3. and three. I think they were off to a 5-0 and oh start. Now they're 5-3. and three. So uh, go Battlehawks and go Number one. (laughs) Guys, talk about a St. Louis thing. Okay. I was doing salmon on the grill yesterday. I was doing asparagus on the other grill yesterday. And as I'm doing it, I'm just walking up some steps into my house and uh, watching the Cardinals on TV. Being able to have the Cardinals on while you're you're at the grill on on the back patio is as St. Louis as it gets, and it was just awesome. It's a great Sunday. It is. It's a great day. It's a great, you know, great weekend to be able to participate in those types of events. Yeah. Just family, sports, you know, all those things. And let me throw this out there. And by the way, a friend that made a carrot cake, a Traeger carrot cake on their Traeger and loved it. The whole family loved it. But salmon with a basil pesto butter on the Traeger with with pecan wood pellets is really, really good. So just keep that in mind.
Right. He's writing down that recipe right now. Pull over. Go. Don't drive and text yeah. or drive and write. I'll send it to you. Randy at 101ESPN.com. <laughs> Randy, my number one, you spoke about it as your number two. My number one is John Rahm saving the world of golf as we know it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That, to me, is was the best thing all weekend because if you get live players to win the PGA, it does something. It sets some things off that are unfortunate. And so John Rahm able to come through down after uh, the third round, but able to push through. Brooks Kepka having an off day. Phil Mickelson chasing them, trying to chase him down. He saved the golf, the world of golf as we know it, Randy. And, and Brooke, he did a great job of making sure that those live characters did not win. And it was extremely important because if they had won, that only fuels what they've been saying and what they've been trying to push. And so, therefore, we owe John Rahm a tip of the cap and a beverage whenever we see him. You're, nice. You are so right. <laughs> well, what, what would the topic of conversation have been this morning if if Kepka wins? It's all live versus PGA, right? All day. Oh, yeah. All, all day long. Yeah. Even though there was a f- several in, in that top five. But anyways, well, I digress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, to quote the, the great poet... Uh, Nelly, two is not a winner and three nobody remembers. There you go. <laughs> All right, so my number one, we're going to go with another Masters thing, but my favorite thing from this weekend would be the no-name golfer, or I guess I should give him a name now because he deserves it, is Sam Bennett. The rise of Sam Bennett, that whole story was just incredible to me. I mean, he's the first amateur to enter the final round in the top 10 at the Masters through 54 holes since 1964. And it was just fun. He even got, you know, of course it didn't end the way that I'm sure that he would like to, but the fact that he was able to go on that run and he got a standing ovation too on 18 in Augusta. Yeah, fantastic. And they they love the amateurs there. That's such a big part of what they do. And he looks like a guy that has a chance to be pretty good. Now we've seen a lot of guys that have have had one good tournament, but uh, Sam has a pretty good game. And he's going to be playing today, 36 holes, carrying his own bag for his college team. Amazing. Good for him. I just like those stories where somebody just comes out of nowhere and it was competing against the best of the best. And you're like, wait, is he going to actually pull this off? Yeah, right. And we get a texter that uh, says the Masters is not the PGA. This is PG, the PGA Tour versus the Live Tour that we're yeah. talking about. So I, know. I know that you might be distracted as you're driving along. <laughs> so we just wanted to clarify that for you. Uh, some people. It's okay. Yeah, you, you, get, you get distracted. So we just wanted to make, I just want to make sure that you understand where we're coming from. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got our Monday bird watch for you here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Yeah, the mix was pretty good. Even if you look at the fastballs, I think it was four seamer. He threw 28 of them, the sinker 30 of them, just kept you off balance. Wilson did a really nice job with them as well, just keeping guys off balance. The changeup was a big player, a ton of swing and miss on that. Yeah, those two worked together really well. That is the Cardinal skipper, Ali Marmal, over the weekend in Milwaukee. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. And time for a little bird watch here on 101 ESPN. CD, what are you thinking? So for me, I'm thinking that Jordan Montgomery has a couple of more outings similar to what he had the other day. We're looking at a a contract. We're, we're, we're going to have to get something done sooner rather than later. He is right now 
<laughs> your best pitcher on the staff. He's doing an outstanding job. Has the most innings on the staff. Um, two wins. Gave up, has pitched seven innings, seven innings in his last start, three hits. Uh, he got beat up a little bit, uh, not too badly in his first start. But for me, when you have a guy that is playing that well, you just paid Miles Michaelis uh, a couple of weeks ago. He got his contract solidified. So you know that Jordan Montgomery is going into an unrestricted free agent season next year. You want to get him on the books. And here's the, here's the issue you're going to run into. If you wait too long, say June, July, you, if you wait too long, now you're looking at a guy that has six, seven, eight, nine wins under his belt. The offer you may be, may want to give him, he may be looking at, hey, I'm going to test this free agent market and see what I can get on the open market. You want to get it done now. You want to make sure that what you've seen in the first couple of starts is exactly what you're going to expect. But I would say after a couple of more starts, that give you two more weeks to kind of get the ball rolling, you need to pay him, make sure he's locked up for, for the next few years. Agree 100%. Number one, he threw 178 innings last year. Between the Cards and, and Yankees, he threw 157 in 2021. He's a guy that can deliver innings to you, first and foremost. And he's already had his Tommy John. He's been through all the injuries. He's healthy now. He's only 30 years old. He turned 30 on December 27th. He's a guy that you want around. And you know, well, you don't know that he's going to be durable, but he's a horse. He's he's 6'6", 230. I mean, he's a, he's a big fella. He's a great cardinal. He he really fits, and he, he, by all accounts, really likes it here too. So go to him and get that deal done. And you're looking at twenty million, is that a year? I would say yeah, five years, a hundred. So, but if you wait, if you decide to wait a little bit longer, then you can't keep him. The you're Yankees not gonna, get him you're back. Gonna get, he's going to be twenty six, twenty eight million a year, and you're not. You're probably that's a that's a that's a difference that you're probably not going to want to make up. Exactly. And the by the way. He loved New York. He was really upset to get traded away from the Yankees. So if they come after him with another Carlos Rodon type of deal, he'll go there. All right, Brooke. Well, my bird watch is going to be kind of the future. We're looking ahead for the Cardinals because I think right now you're missing an Adam Wainwright, kind of Mr. All Reliable, right? And you're missing Lars Newbar. So a good update on Adam Wainwright this weekend. He threw a 33-pitch bullpen session on Saturday with another one planned for Tuesday. Should that go well, the plan for Wainwright is to advance to either a simulated game or a rehab start in the minors. And I feel like, look, I, the starting pitching did okay this week. And I wouldn't say that it was great, maybe good. It was decent. But Wainwright's career 3.38 ERA, I think, is something that would be a breath of fresh air for this group, right? For the starting rotation, it could really help really the pitching staff in general. Because when Wayne is around, he's been through a lot of these situations before. So not as he only help you on the mound, but he also just helps you with his experience. Um, also, Lars Newtbar, an update with his injury. He will travel with the Cardinals to Colorado on Monday and take swings, but he isn't likely to be activated for the team's upcoming three-game series. They're going to kind of wait to see how things go and how he responds to those to the swings before making a decision. Um, so I think that him returning will be huge for the Cardinals as well, because in that first game, you know, I mentioned this earlier, in that first game, it felt like he added that extra punch to the offense. And also, 
Brendan Donovan is fantastic, but maybe having that original plan of having him and Lars Newtbar kind of switching out of that leadoff spot, I think that that could help too because you need somebody who's really going to set the table. I feel like Donovan really responds mm-hmm. well to competition too, and so I feel like having Lars Newtbar back is going to be huge as well. Is there any concern it being a thumb with Lars Newtbar? Is there any concern? Dylan Carlson went through that. Uh, you, you talked about it last year, how, how difficult it is to kind of bounce back and rebound when your thumb you got to hold a bat. You got to swing it. it. It's a little bit hard to do those things when you got a thumb injury. When your hands, when your digits aren't completely healthy, need to have it back to a hundred percent. That's the the key for Newt. But and by the way, you say this, Brooke, as somebody who is with Lars Newbar, president. I am the president and CEO of the Lars Newbar Indeed. Fan Club. Founder, yes. treasurer. Yes. I try to be unbiased, but of course, I'm always going to cheer on Lars Newbar. But I also think he brings a certain energy to the team yes. that they just don't have otherwise. So I'm intrigued. I hope that what happens, and I think it's probably too quick for Wayno to come back by next Sunday. He, he will ask if he has a side session tomorrow, he'll ask for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off, and he'll ask to pitch this weekend. Why not have him home against the Pirates? He pitches great at home, and he pitches great against the Pirates. So why why go down and have a rehab start against a minor league team that's exactly the same as the Pittsburgh Pirates are? Why bother, right? (laughs) They're the same thing. Essentially, uh, yeah. yes. I, I think uh, so. A little bit. Look, yeah. I mean, and they lost O'Neill Cruz yesterday. Pittsburgh did. That that was terrible. That was a terrible... That was a terrible incident in general. How you? How, he, he ran into the catcher. Yeah, that was. And hurt his hurt his darn self. Broke his ankle. And now the team is mad because yeah. the catcher kind of looked at him like, "What the hell are you doing?" Yeah, I mean, you did. The, the, I, I will say this, uh, Randy. The um, the, those minor league teams don't have uh, Brian Reynolds. Uh, that's true. That's a good so point. That, uh, yeah. That's a, a bit of a concern. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, he's he is there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, guys. Here's my bird watch. And we all thought coming into the season that the one thing we didn't have to worry about was the offense. Well, after those first four games, they score nine. They score four. They score nine. They score four. Since then, one run against Atlanta. Two runs against Atlanta. No runs against Milwaukee. You had the breakout on uh, Saturday night with six, and then one yesterday. I need to see this offense be more consistent. And I love what Jordan Walker has done. I love what the middle of the lineup has done. And maybe this is, Brooke, in part to not having Newt Bar. But if the Cardinals are going to succeed this year, it's going to have to be on the back of their offense. And the offense just needs to be more consistent. Maybe it will this weekend against Colorado, but it hasn't been there for the last five games. Yeah, I mean, the hitting needs to get timelier for this group. That That's for sure. I mentioned this earlier, but the whole weekend, a combined 5 for 24 with runners in scoring position mm-hmm. is just not going to cut it. So they, that's one of the things that they need to work on, and that's one of the things that I'm watching on Birdwatch here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. That would be 314-399-YO-HO. We've got Ticket or Leave It coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. 
Luke Grimsley, Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, Matthew Rocchio. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. If you use the letters on your keypad on your phone, that would be 314-399-YO-HO. Okay, kids, I got to tell you, I love the journalistic effort and integrity of our friends at ESPN, who right now, as their second story at ESPN.com, have source Beckham to join Ravens for one year, $15 million. Odell Beckham Jr. said this last night on his social media, and the Ravens said it on their social media. Take it or leave it. That's pretty easy journalism when your sources are the people that are tweeting that they're doing it are are the ones that you're using as a source. I'll take that. That, That's that's, that's pretty dumb. I think you could have just put Beckham to join Ravens. I think it's safe. Yeah, I I do. Via tweet. I'm going to stay on the the Odell Beckham Jr. um, topic. And, And so... My thought is Odell got signed one year, $15 million. Take it or leave it. You don't care who's playing quarterback. You can sign me up for one year, $15 million, and I'm going. Take it. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone is saying, oh, he signed there. It's guaranteed that Lamar is coming back. Why? No, not I don't give a damn. Throw me the ball, Tyler Huntley, yeah, or right. whomever you want to draft in the draft. I'll go catch footballs for $15 million yeah. this year, and then I'll see where I can go next year. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. All right. Take it or leave it. Sometimes, you know, you need something a little gimmicky, right? To just bring some new energy to your clubhouse or team, whatever it may be. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals need to have something gimmicky other than, what is it now? The salt that they're pouring out? Yes, yeah. They, the, they, they did the pepper. They did the pepper. They got rid yeah. of it. They but did it yesterday. Did, did they do it yesterday? Walker did it yesterday. Okay, when well, he got yeah. they said, because Lars said that they were working on a new one. So then they've been pouring out the salt. But I noticed some of the other teams. The Brewers had the cheese head. I don't know if you've seen the Angels have a samurai helmet. That is is so freaking cool. (laughs) Even Mike Trout wearing it this past weekend after he, what was it, like a two-run bomb against the, um, who was it that they were playing against? I don't remember, but I saw Toronto. Him. They were playing yeah. against yeah, Toronto, right. and but I maybe take it or leave it. You just need to have something gimmicky, like an actual physical object. Because remember, they brought out the pepper grinder last season. I have seen a toasted rav head before, akin to the cheese head hmm. here in St. Louis. There's been a toasted. Text in if you've City seen SC. it or if you, if you have one. Oh yeah, they, yeah. City SC hat, has the one. The yeah. ravioli boys. Right. So let's do that. Let's why not get a toasted <laughs> as, rav head? As Rock shakes his head, no, no. Why? <laughs> I'm just saying they debuted that. Fr- uh, two Fridays ago, what's and City- oh. been great. What's City's record since then. <laughs> yeah, true. That been great. Okay, maybe they what's can something else like an Emo's Pizza Head, and that's a great way to mm-hmm. put in a sponsor. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> Kill two birds okay, with one stone. So we're thinking. <laughs> All right, what do we got on the text line there, Matthew? Take it or leave it. At some point in this season, Adam Wainwright will be considered our best and most reliable starter, as he always seems to find a way. Hundred percent, take it. Yes, take it. No doubt. I'm going to take that, too. I just he feel, is right now. I feel like I, you have so many question marks other than, you know, maybe Jordan Montgomery is starting to, I would say, do better J-Mon. in a lot of ways. And he's he's show, he's J-Mon. saying, or maybe you should say, Jordan, show me the money, Montgomery, because he's performing yeah. like that right now. Um I'm going to take Monty. that, though. Yeah, because Adam Wainwright, he always finds a way to kind of steady things, barring injuries. That's called the... Uh, Opening drive bump, but it does. It, it's a real thing. I already had it ready. And I had to play it. Uh, take it or leave it. The panic bus is getting warmed up for the Cardinals. Uh, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it it's as well. Early. It, it, it is early. 
they have they have some 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 things to work on. Are we checking the tire tread at least, just making nah, sure. Nah, no. If we, 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 we don't even know if you're in, okay. We haven't even gone to the <laughs> gas station. Is it gas station. stuff? Not, really no. They know they're good. I was talking to Ozzy the other day at the the. We, we went. We all went to a watch party for the Masters, and Ozzy was there. And we were talking about that 1985 team that won 101 games, and they started off 20 and 20. And John Tudor started off one and seven, and it it just wasn't clicking. But they knew they were good, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it does click when you when you know you're good and you're going to play for six months, and you played for a week. You're all right. You're the, the, there is no need to to gas up the panic bus at the moment. Despite what Brad Thompson's teammates said, take it or leave it, coleslaw on a pulled pork sandwich is a must. Yes, I'm going to take it too. I love that. I don't know if I need it on the sandwich. The yeah. sandwich. You haven't done I that? Can, uh, I'm good with so. barbecue sauce. Yeah. Me <laughs> too. I can have it. Like I don't mind my food touching and mixing and, yeah. and so I can eat one and then go and eat the other. Mm-hmm. Like I, it, It's... But I don't know that I need it on the sandwich. Well, I don't know if I've ever had it on the sandwich. Actually. My way of thinking is it's all going to get like all jumbled up in your stomach anyways. Might as well just throw it on all together, right? Do that dance all again? jumbled up yeah. all together, you know? Might as, might as well just throw it on top of your sandwich. I think Sugar Fire does that. I'm willing to give it an opportunity. I just never really considered it before. But I'm, there are things one time in this very studio... Somebody brought in some chocolate-covered bacon, and I thought, oh, no, I'm not going there. What are you doing? It was delicious. Yeah? Yeah. So there are, <laughs> there are things that I will absolutely try. Uh, we we tried. I, I know it might not be in my best interest. We tried a fourth. It was a small piece, small section of a donut on a, I mean, oh. a chicken sandwich on a donut. Oh, it my was gosh. to die for, Randy. I'm not going to tell you a lie. It's People a Shaq's, yeah, Shaq's <laughs> chicken sandwich, and oh, my God. You would never think, because I'm like a donut on a chicken sandwich. Like, doesn't really? sound doesn't appealing sound right. at all. No, it was amazing. Yeah. It was. Take it or leave it. Jordan Walker continues his hitting streak tonight. Take it. Take it. In Colorado. Everybody gets oh, a hit in Colorado. He's getting a couple of home runs this series, isn't he? Yeah. Randy, I got one. Hell, for $15 million, you don't even have to throw me the ball. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'll let you know with the contract next year. <laughs> you know, like, game two of this year was like the 13th ever 1-1 game. Or like or one zero game in like Colorado Rocky like that stadium history. It's insane how it's 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 a stereotype because it's true. That's it's unbelievable the way offense gets played there. You think it's weird, but it, it's there. Take it or leave it. I like this one as well. A top one or two seed will lose this year in the first round of the playoffs in the NBA. Oh, in the yeah, first round. In the first round, a top so one or the, two seed. Here's the. This is this is interesting because just say it. Memphis. Or or Milwaukee, Boston, Denver, Milwaukee's not Memphis. losing. Boston's not losing. So it's either Memphis Denver or could Memphis. be Memphis could lose to the Lakers if they are the seventh seed, and if somehow the Lakers lose the first game and make it to the eighth seed, Denver. I mean, I know that pains you to hear. No. Rock, they are the least no. scary number one seed probably in history. In the history of the NBA. They had a locked up they a month are, and a half they ago. They've been coasting. The, no one is fearful of this number one seed in the Denver Nuggets in probably the history of the NBA. And I'm going to say. Name one seed that you had less fear of. No, that's completely legitimate because they haven't played good <laughs> basketball in a month and a half. They're still the first. They're still the one seed. Yeah, that's, that's cool. how. That's I mean, the lead they because, opened up. That's because everybody in the West couldn't win on the road and everybody was between, you know, Four and five games from the two to the 
eight seed. I, I hate the fact that I'm saying this, but if the Lakers would beat the Nuggets or the Grizzlies, I won't be surprised. As a matter of fact, I, I kind of think they, they'll do it the way they're playing. There you talk you about how bad Denver's playing. Lakers are playing great they are. since the trade deadline. Yeah, except for I'm not a fan of LeBron putting the crown on his head. I'm not oh, either, but man, he's good. Doing, AD, man? AD during that streak had an unbelievable run. And now they've got a real point guard. They beat the Utah Jazz to get into the play-in but tournament. Still. Why are you putting a crown on, sir? Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Bro. King James. Everybody knows that's your nickname. How about do it after you win a championship? There you Thank you. We've all seen the ESPN commercial. Come on now. Take it or leave. The only offense colder than the Cardinals is City SC. Take it. Ugh. Man. <laughs> that yeah. was so quick, Randy. Yep. Randy was like, didn't even need yep. a millisecond of a thought. Haven't they been clean sheeted twice in a row now? Yes, sir. But we, we discovered it's because of the ravioli hat. That's, that's the what it is. That's let's, what let's it is. Ravioli hat. Uh, Randy, I'm just going to read this one so that maybe this person stops tw- uh, texting this okay, in about good. this stuff. Let's hear it. Uh, take it or leave it. Even after seeing the Brewers against the Cardinals, Randy will never admit that he was wrong about the statement he made about the Brewers and them having great pitching but not being able to score. Well, let's let it marinate it's like a little bit. Like it's an eighth bit. tweet about you saying the yeah, Brewers wouldn't score bronze, by the way. That's fine. You figured you just go ahead and air it out now. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Get it over with. I, I do think, and congratulations to you on uh, your eight-game success, but I do think that once we play the 162 games, that the, the offense that you so love will leave something to be desired. And I feel for you because I know that you you love your Brewers. But I think if we look at the history of the people that are in that lineup and we lay it out over the course of six months, I, I kind of think I am going to wind up being right. So, no, I will not admit. I, I, I will not admit after eight games that I am wrong about anything. No, I will not. <laughs> Alright, and one other one. Take it or leave it. None of the Cardinals are showing 100% since here's Randy's life advice on the opening drive. And that's why the offense has dropped off. Take it. Randy. Randy was literally just saying, well, they know they're good. <laughs> Randy? Hey, not showing 100% effort. Because your life advice. Everyone listens to Uncle Randy. I know they do. Everyone understands that <laughs> Uncle Randy has such valuable information for them to to the wisdom that you you pour into people's lives. And here our Cardinals are listening to the opening drive and saying, "Ah, give a hundred percent." The only guy who the only guy who listened was Tyler O'Neill. <laughs> 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 but here's the thing. Is no, you can't give a hundred percent all the time. You just it, you can't, <laughs> Carrie. You well, that's just NFL. not the cardinal way. Okay, you Randy. Great, you were a great NFL player. <laughs> Did you give a hundred percent on every single play? Um. Well, oh. here's the thing. Yes, it was the hundred percent that I had to give on that particular play. So if you're one hundred percent on that particular play, yeah, okay, because good. if I. I, I remember times where I couldn't feel my arm. So my arm <laughs> sure. may have been at fifty okay. percent, but the rest of me was giving a hundred percent. So whatever that equals out to. I mean, yeah. You, you. It clearly has been an issue for the Cardinals. <laughs> Are you rethinking this now? You're pondering <laughs> no. whether or not you want to continue to give this hundred percent life advice. I'm giving life advice. <laughs> but you also have to understand. So I'm talking about 100% effort, 100% all the time, okay? okay? There are times where on certain plays, on certain days, in certain segments, 
I might get to 98. <laughs> Do you never get to 100? No, I don't want them to see it. You don't want them to see it because then they expect it. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, how many currently rostered and healthy Cardinal pitchers do you really trust? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. The way he described it last outing, and we'll sit down and talk through it before the night's over as far as just not feeling synced up. So I'd be curious to hear from him kind of how he felt today and put a plan together moving forward. Ali Marmol on Friday night after Jack Flaherty uh, threw five innings. He allowed two runs, but he did walk six, and he's walked 13 now in his last two starts. Even though he has not allowed a significant amount of runs, that is alarming, and eventually those walks will catch up with you. Cardinals rotation, Montgomery had a nice outing on Saturday night. Michaelis has struggled so far. Jake Woodford has an earned run average of 9 at the moment. And Matts, who goes today against Colorado, is at 6.75, even though he's had uh, his first outing was... Okay. And then in the bullpen, you have Helsley. I think I know what Ryan Helsley is going to be. Palante struggling, 8.44 ERA. Jordan Hicks, earned run average is at 10.8. Verhagen has yet to allow a run. Zach Thompson has yet to allow a run. Stratton, the 2.25 ERA. Gallegos and Cabrera have yet to allow a run. So when you hear those names, Montgomery, Flaherty, Michaelis, Woodford, Matz. Let's start with that. Uh, trust or don't trust? Brooke and Carey. Uh, and this is relative to your expectations. You aren't expecting these guys to be Clayton Kershaw in his prime. Okay, Jordan Montgomery, trust or don't trust? Trust. I'm going to trust 100%. Jack Flaherty. Uh, trust. Mm. I'm I'm going to trust as well. I believe that he will be able to write this, but I think he's even pointed out, everybody's pointed out that if he's got to get these walks yeah, under control. The fact that it hasn't it's blown back up in his face at, the, at this point is amazing in itself. He has a 1.80 ERA, and he's pitched out of a lot of trouble. He's been inefficient, but again, the Cardinals need him to be a number one. I'm going to give him a tentative trust as well. Michaelis. I trust him, despite the number of hits he's given up. And I don't think he's a number one starter, but no. for what I expect of him to be a two or a three, I trust him. I do too. Uh, Jake Woodford. No, don't trust him. I would like to see one more start out of him before I'm going to jump this ship. But also, we talked about earlier, Adam Wainwright returning, what that will mean for Jake Woodford as well. You put him in the bullpen. I think that that role makes sense for him early on. And then Steven Matz, who has yet to be great as a starter for the Cardinals. Can I be undecided Mm -hmm. on him? (laughs) I, I I was, if you asked me this last year, I would have said, 
don't trust. If you asked me this during spring training, I would have said trust. And now I'm just undecided. I, I'm just kind of on the straddling the fence right now. Well, it's, yeah, I want to trust. I'm in the same boat of I want to trust him because he was fantastic during spring training, but so was Jake Woodford. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is here that's going on with them early on. That's why I feel like you still have to really base this off a few more starts out of them. Last year as a starter, four and three in just 10 starts with a 5.70 earned run average. This year as a starter for the Cardinals, uh, he is uh, he has a 6.75 earned run average. So it's hard to it's hard to trust him even when he's healthy. And I, I get the spring training was great, but it was really, really good. Yeah. That, so but, that's where what happens with the drop off with that from spring training you're one of the best starting pitchers that you have out there to all of a sudden dropping off to whatever's happening this early on. And look, I think everybody knows you're facing really good offensives right now, but when does at what point does do you say, okay, something else is going on right. here? How, the, there's just a huge drop off. My opinion is that Matt should be he as productive as Miles Michaelis is. He should be a middle of the rotation guy that gives you Six innings, you can count on six innings. So from that perspective, I just can't trust him yet. I, we'll see what he does today. He's in Colorado. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> Rock said they had a one zero game, just the, yeah, the first they, time. And they had a no hitter too, but that Rocky wasn't Stephen Matz pitching. <laughs> <laughs> let's keep the happen. ball low. Okay, so that let's get to the bullpen. And this is probably more striking right now because. We all kind of expect Montgomery, Flaherty, Michaelis, and ultimately Adam Wainwright to be reasonably effective. I I trust Ryan Helsley. Yes. I'm fine with him yes. as my closer. I don't want to pitch Andre Pallante in a leverage situation where I'm winning the game. Ew, that was that was a big yikes this weekend. Yeah. It makes you wonder if maybe he shouldn't have gone and represented yeah. Team Italy. Right. I, I don't I don't trust him right now. He's he's a young player. He's still, you know, Trying to figure some things out. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say no at this moment. Uh, Jordan Hicks has six walks in five innings as a relief pitcher. His earned run average is ten point eight. I have difficulty trusting Jordan Hicks. I'm undecided on Jordan. I'm, I'm because he has such because Great he stuff. Wow. He throws hard. Throws yeah. hundred four. Like you have to, you have to feel some mm-hmm. type of way about that. But I gotta see it consistently, so I'm undecided on on Jordan Hicks at this moment. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm already on the do not trust with him because unless something, the thing is, is it feels like we keep going through this every single season with him, and I, I'm just waiting for some sort of change or consistency. If he even has to bring down his velo a little bit, anything that could help his command. Agreed, and I. I don't think you can pitch him in a game where you are ahead or oh, behind God, by no. <laughs> fewer than three. It's just, it'll get away. I have learned Drew Verhagen's name, so I totally trust him. <laughs> you did, what, what did you call him last Chris Vonderha, <laughs> who was one of the first owners of the franchise. The man had a statue, in, but he couldn't in, get an out. In old-timey days, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Reincarnated, huh? So, so now he has his full name, yep. and he has your full trust. Yes, he does. All right. I love Zach Thompson. Yes. I think he's great. I do as well. I, yes. I, I am a, a Zach Thompson fan. I, Packy Norton was uh was on my my list as well as yeah that was terrible. And he hadn't allowed a run. Yeah, it he, could. He was on but my list. He had list. a lot of inherited runners. 
and luckily it's just a strain for him. Yeah. By the way, it could have been way worse. So that's at least encouraging. You guys were not on my, on my Chris Stratton bandwagon during spring training. I wasn't. Has no. that changed? Uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, undecided. He, he hasn't uh, walked anybody. Two point two five ERA in his four innings of work. I'm a, I'm a Stratton fan, and yeah. and this is obviously for the role that he serves. Right. He's he's not going to be an eighth or ninth inning guy, but seventh inning when you need to keep somebody in check, I think he's pretty good at that. Yeah, I, I agree with do, that one. Do any of these players on this list that are here make you think that maybe someone else should have been here in their place? Like uh, Dakota Hudson or Matthew Libertor? Not yet. Not, not yet? You're not, not, you're yet. not, not, not to that point just no. yet? I think that I think it was a good decision to at least where they're getting more reps down there, and mm-hmm. then if things start to just really fall off, then you have them at least you know getting some time down there and then coming up. Yep. And what, then you have what? I like the hat. Yep. Oh, busting with hat. the boys. Yeah, yeah. you've got uh, <laughs> Gallegos <laughs> and Cabrera, and based on what they've done, I like them. Here's one of the Cardinals' problems. The Cardinals' problems is their minor their 40 man roster pitchers that are in the minor leagues are Hudson and Libertor. You want to get them stretched out mm-hmm. and keep them to be starters. Jojo Romero. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that's not a very good... Uh, Jojo Romero. Yeah. <laughs> we both... Yeah. Uh, Connor Thomas, left-handed starter. Uh, and then you've got Jake Walsh and Guillermo Zuniga. Those are your two right-handed relievers that you have down in the minor. So it really doesn't feel like... The, and maybe they can't be any worse right now than Jordan Hicks has been. But I'm just... I'm I'm not enamored of the right-handed relievers that are down in Memphis either. No. So did they? To, to your question, should somebody else have been here? I don't think so. Well, the, if if they're if the person that needs to be here is not on the on the roster or is not in the minors, then that means they should have done something more in in uh in the off season. Yes. In terms of trading for or, you know, going after one of those. A free agent pitcher. I wanted a veteran reliever, and I wanted another starting pitcher. I did during the offseason, but it's not here now. That's Kerry. That's Brooke. I didn't get what I wanted. I'm, I'm upset about it. I usually get what I want. Darn it. Uh, Brooke, Kerry, Randy, coming up on 101 ESPN, we will talk to the voice of the St. Louis Blues. He only has two games left this season. His name is Chris Kerber, and he's left-handed, and he's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Our friend, the voice of the St. Louis Blues, Chris Kerber, is with us. Where has this season gone? It's amazing. Kerbs, before we get started, I pointed out before we went to the break and I promoted that you were going to be on, that you're you're left-handed. When I was a youngster, as a lefty, I was told that we live in a right-handed world and that I needed to be more right-handed. Thus, I eat and write left-handed, do everything, or left-handed. Uh, I do everything else right-handed. You're, you're all lefty, Correct. No, I actually, I write right-handed. I do everything else left. Wow, okay. We're so, both weird. So, yeah, we're both. Well, when I was, uh, apparently, and, and I, I've shown this to people, it kind of freaks them out a little bit, but I write backwards when I write left-handed. So apparently I mirror wrote 
when I was right, right and left-handed. So, and they couldn't figure it out. So when I, I guess when I was in kindergarten, my mom told the teachers, well, when he comes in, just put the pencil on the other side of his paper. And so I guess that day I walked in, picked it up with my right hand and wrote fine right-handed. So I, I write right-handed, but I play all sports uh, left-handed, predominantly left-handed. Uh, I'm, I'm dead convinced, Randy, you know, because I'm a little dyslexic as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I'm a painfully slow reader uh, that I'm dead convinced that if somebody wrote a book right to left, I, I bet you I'd, I'm, I'd be a, I, I, I would read terrifically fast. <laughs> right. I'm actually, and I'm actually, I know I'd say it sounds like a joker, but I'm actually kind of serious. Like, no, I, uh, I get it. Like, I, the whole world looks better to me going right to left than the other way. My, mm. my dog is an awesome dog. My dog is an awesome dog. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> 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 it was Easter was yesterday, Randy. Yes. That was spectacular. <laughs> well, listen, listen, there was a time. So, like, sometimes things look in reverse. And I pulled out. We lived in the Chesterfield Hill subdivision there. So I pulled out. I take to the right. And I'm, we're heading up towards 141. And I uh, just started driving. And I went. Hey, Mom, look. Look in that rearview mirror. That They must have brought that car over from England because the driver's on the wrong <laughs> side. And, and, and I looked at it in, in the rearview mirror, right? But, like, I reverse, I reverse things, you know? I and, see that. Uh, yeah, I get it. And, and she looked at me. She said, what? She said, pull over, and she drove the rest of the way. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, Curbs, at the beginning of this, I asked where this hockey season has gone. Man, it, even with all of the drama and everything that happened and the fact that they traded players, and it, it really has flown by for me. I, I do wonder where the hockey season has gone. Yeah, it has gone pretty quick. Uh, life seems to be flying at us, uh, you know, kind of like asteroids right now, but uh, I think, you know, I've, I've been trying over the last couple of weeks to kind of keep a certain perspective on the season. As you know, I, I've, I've said somewhat tongue-in-cheek that, well, the beginning of the year, first two-thirds, we screwed up losing or winning. Now we're screwing up losing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, you know, because we, we've gone from what was a pretty solid lock for a top-ten pick to a maybe, uh, depending on how this goes. And, and I, I've kind of changed shifted my own philosophy on this or feelings on this having with the team having won, you know, eight of their last 15 games or 13 games. Uh, and, you know, and that, that's because winning is fun. But the, the reality of it is, is uh, I, I think if you're going to look back at this season, you're going to look back with disappointment. Uh, and, and I think that's fair. And because it was an unexpected fall, uh, the, the season started out really well with three terrific wins, and to you know, to a man, you're like, man, this this could end up being a heck of a season. This is, this has looked good, and then the bottom fell right out with an eight game losing streak, followed by a seven game win streak, as you know. And then you know they've never been more than three or four games above or below 500. They've been right in that range and consistently there, and and they've been consistently there whether it has been with O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Barbashev, without. So that that creates a whole bunch of scenarios there. But um, no doubt a season that did not go as anticipated and unfortunately led to a complete changing of the guard and a retool. So we go from a season of high expectations now into an off-season of interesting expectations to see how they turn out. 
Well, Curbs, also I have a quick solution for you with your reading problem. You just need to learn Japanese. It's only one of the top five hardest languages to learn. That, yeah. that should help you out. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I, I, I could see it. You know, listen, I was, I was out with my uncle in, uh, that lives in California, and this is probably about, about 10 years ago. And we were talking. His, his wife's a school teacher like my wife is, and we were talking about reading. And, and, and this, is, this is actually, this was, this was game changer for me. I said, I don't read much. I go, and uh, they go, you don't, you don't read much in, in terms of books. And he said, well, why not? I go, because I'm so slow. Like, like it's, just, it's just hard for me. It's always been hard. Like, it, it's been a battle. And he looked at me and he went, so what? And I said, what? He goes, well, so what? He goes, yeah, it's not like you're doing a book report anymore. Now you just read for like, and, and if it takes you an extra month to read the book, it takes you an extra month. And I thought, well, son of a, you know what? I'm like, that actually makes great sense. So we literally, we flew from Los Angeles. This is a true story. We flew from Los Angeles to Vancouver. And I was walking from the rink, from, or from the hotel to the rink in Vancouver, about a mile, mile and a half walk from where we were staying. And I have a chapter's bookstore that was right along the way. And I literally, because, because of what my Uncle Sandy said, I, I went in, I, I stopped uh, on the walk to the rink. I, I, I went into the bookstore. And I picked up a book about the, um, it's called Boy Soldier. I, I like, I, I love, uh, you know, uh, nonfiction and, uh, you know, and, and just kind of almost true biographies. And, and it was about a, a kid in Somalia that while he was walking to a talent show was picked up by the, uh, the rebels and thrown into their army. And eventually how he grew into there and eventually was rescued by UNICEF. Uh, and, and pulled out. And it's a terrific story. It was called Boy Soldier. And well, I read that book. And ever since then now, I've kind of gotten back into reading, but it took, it kind of took like you're, you're ingrained and in, in, in people out there will hear this. They'll understand what I'm talking about. You're, it's, you're forced to read so much in school, which is a good thing. I'm not knocking that. That sometimes for those that have been like me, where because of whether it be dyslexia, like there are times sometimes where I'll read the same line five times before like I have to use my fingers sometimes to get my eyes to shift down. Okay. And, uh, and I'm not embarrassed to say this to anybody. It's, 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 it's just a, it's a struggle I've had. So the, uh, sometimes it, it became such a chore that enjoyment was gone. Well, it, my uncle Sandy's looked at me one day at dinner. I'll never forget. It. He went, so what? I went, well, that's perfect. So like right now I'm in the middle of reading, you know, Mel Brooks's book all about me and, I, and I've gotten back to where I can enjoy it because of that. But it's a, it's it, I, I feel for those that, that struggle with reading and, and things like that, because as, as much as we tend to, like we joke, I, I would love to learn Japanese, but I don't think I have the patience for that at this point. <laughs> the, um, uh, it's, it, it's a battle. Yeah, I, I can but, see like that. Like you said, so what? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Well, I also wanted to ask you about, I don't know why it was silly of me to think this, that the rivalry would be done between Ryan Hartman and Jordan Bennington. But as we saw this weekend, that rivalry continuing between the two, what did you make of all that this weekend with the Wild and Hartman and Jordan Bennington? And will it be Jordan Bennington starting from here on out? Uh, I would expect it to be Jordan Bennington starting from here on out. I I mean, it's just back-to-back games. That's all we have left. So uh, I I would expect that. Um, You know, uh, it, it, it stunk and stung as a Blues fan that it's Hartman that scores that shorthanded goal. A little hesitation by Bennington uh, initially. Otherwise, he probably comes out and win it. Absolutely inexcusable 
uh, laziness on the power play, to be honest with you, uh, that, that led to those two shorthanded goals. And I, I don't think anybody can tap dance around that. Uh, I mean, it's just uh, the, the, the special teams have gone off the, off the rails here in the last uh, 10 days uh, or, or so, uh, 10 games even. But, um, yeah, it's a shame that he scored. I, I love the rivalry that's being created. Uh, I'm not completely sold on Minnesota. You know, I, I love what they're doing as a team. They're extremely well coached by Dean Evason and, and Bill Guerin to me as general manager of the year to, to put a team that's a couple points in battling for a division title with $16 million in dead cap space. That's impressive. So uh, I, I think the rivalry part will be good. Uh, it, it stung that it was Hartman that scored it, but you know what it underscored for me, Brooke, and is the fact that I, I, the blues need some jam. However, Doug Armstrong, whatever Doug Armstrong is going to do this summer, and I have not talked to him about how he feels about his team, where he feels something's missing. He's clearly limited in cap space unless or until, either one of those words, he moves a player or two to free up more opportunities for himself. But if he doesn't, he's somewhat limited. But I I have no doubt in my mind that this hockey team needs a little jam. It needs a little swagger. Uh, I, I think you've got some top players that can get pushed out of the game clearly with physical play, some that aren't willing to play through that physical play at the moment. And I think somebody to come in and give them a little bit of room, uh, someone to give you know a little liveliness in that locker room, I think it could be used as well. And, and to me, so it, it's part of the characteristic and maybe personality of the team as much as it is skill on the ice that needs to be looked at. Curbs, you talked about it briefly, but I was going to ask about those shorthanded goals. They gave up two, uh, had another one hit the post. Is it just the effort that is lacking, or is it is it something more than that? I mean, you're on the power play, and you're giving up short shorthanded goal and shorthanded goal opportunities. You know what, Kerry, you're a former pro athlete. Uh, I, I I am not. I, I I struggle sometimes when when a broadcaster or somebody that didn't play questions effort, because you never know what's going on and, you know, in, in, in someone's world or whatever. I, and I, and I just have a hard time believing in most cases that an athlete, a pro athlete that cares, uh, the effort is the part of it. I think it's the execution. Um, it, it's the mental focus. You know, I, I think the efforts there that, you know, Verona wants to make a good play. It just didn't happen. And, and, and by the way, sometimes too, all intentions to make a good play are 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 going to end up you know going against you. But to me, it's to me it's the mental focus of this hockey team, and it's 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 been them all season long, and it and it's the execution part of it. It's being hard on the puck. It's making sure that if you're going to do the drop pass at the blue line, that you complete that pass. You know, and even go to the go to the, the when with the goalie pulled, the Blues get the puck in, but then it comes out and the dump in by Pavel Butchnevich. Right, he, he he shoots it so hard into the far corner with the intention of it coming back out, but that's a play that makes sense if your team's getting the line with speed. Well, they didn't have the line with speed, and it's an easy turnover, and boom, Spurgeon puts it in your net. Uh, so it's there's situational awareness, there's clock awareness, game awareness, and there's execution that really, I think, in general, not so much effort, but that execution um, – 
really is what bit this team, I think, hard this year. Curbs, we will be tuned in for the last couple on Wednesday and Thursday. Thanks so much for the time, and throughout the course of the season, we'd love to have you on. We'll do it again next Monday, but have a great time on Wednesday night and then a great last game in Dallas on Thursday, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, y'all. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Curbs. That is the Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight. Stick around. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, who just broke her headphones. <laughs> we are. It is time for the fight, and our fighter today again returning is Joey. Joey, how you feeling? Good. How are you? I am doing wonderful. Are you ready to take on Megamind? As ready as I'm ever going to be. All right, here we go. Nolan Arenado became just the eighth player in Major League Baseball history to hit 300 home runs and win 10 Gold Gloves. Who is the only other third baseman to do it? Is it Scott Rowland, Mike Schmidt, or Eddie Matthews? Let's go Eddie Matthews. Joel Embiid sealed his second consecutive NBA scoring title with 33 points per game. Who is the last center to win back-to-back scoring titles? Is it Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson, or Bob McAdoo? David Robinson. There are only two players in... ALNL history older than Nelson Cruz to drive in six runs in a game. One is Barry Bonds, but who is the oldest player to ever do it, completing this feat at 43 years old in 1991? Is it Carlton Fisk, Ken Griffey Sr., or Dave Parker? Uh, Dave Parker. Everyone now knows that Jordan Walker's hitting streak is the longest for a 20-year-old since Ted Williams in 1939. But which old-school player holds the all-time record at 12? Joe DiMaggio, Babe Ruth, or Eddie Murphy? Joe DiMaggio. All right, we'll double-check the scores and bring in Randy Carricker. Joey, how you feeling? This one's bad. I can feel this today. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even. I didn't even get to finish my sin. You you felt that one in your bones. As, yeah, as we I, got going. I felt this one. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, sometimes it, it happens that way. When you know, when when I struggled with a test in school, I just deleted it, cleared it out of my mind, and went on about the rest of my day. Didn't yeah. worry about it. It could be a quarterback, Kerry. <laughs> it's good yeah. life to live. Randy, say hello to Joey again. Joey, good morning. How you doing? Good, how are you, sir? Good, thanks for listening, thanks for playing, we appreciate it. Thank you. Oh, Joey, he has uh, some Reese's over there, so oh, he's powered by Reese's. No. And, and Propel. And Propel. Propel. Yep. Oh, man. Good combo. All righty, Randy, here we go. Okay. <laughs> Nolan Arenado became just the eighth player in Major League Baseball history to hit 300 home runs and win 10 gold gloves. Who was the only other third baseman to do it? 300 home runs and 10 gold gloves? Yep. And the only other third baseman would seem like Mike Schmidt would be the guy if he got to 10 gold gloves. I'm thinking that he may have. I don't. Brooks Robinson. Maybe it's Brooks Robinson. 
I think he did hit 300 home runs. And he got he has more gold gloves than Schmidt. I'm going to go with Brooks Robinson. Joel Embiid sealed his second consecutive NBA scoring title with 33 points per game. Who is the last center to win back-to-back scoring titles? Hmm. I'm thinking... Shaq did pretty well. I'll I'll do the lifeline, Brooke. Okay. You have Shaquille Mm O'Neal, David Robinson, or Bob McAdoo. I'll take a shot at Shaq. There are only two players in AL NL history older than Nelson Cruz to drive in six runs in a game. One is Barry Bonds, but who is the oldest to ever do it, completing this feat at 43 years old in 1991? 1991, and he he was how old? 43 years old. 43 years old. Who would have been that old in 1991? Um, 1991. So we are, we are, Tony had a lot of old guys in Oakland in 91. Um, Hmm. I'm just thinking of Tony's favorite players. So, he was a uh, he was a D- big Dave Parker guy who was a DH for one of his teams. Let's see, 91, 79, it was probably about 30, 89, I'm going to just roll the dice on Dave Parker. Because those A's teams were just really, really old. Okay. Everyone now knows that Jordan Walker's hitting streak is the longest for a 20-year-old since Ted Williams in 1939. But which old-school player holds the all-time record at 12? I read it yesterday, and I don't remember the name. He was an old-school player for sure. Um, but I don't remember. So, um, it was somebody that... I, I just don't remember. Um, so... I'll say Lou Gehrig. It's not him. I don't remember who it is. For the second time in two fights, we are going to a tiebreaker between Randy Carricker and Joey. So we did this last time on Friday. So again, I'm going to read the question. We will give Randy Carricker a moment to write down his answer. Then Joey will give us his answer audibly. And whoever is closest to the pin wins this fight. Carrie Davis, why are you looking? Can at we me? mention the fact that no, what, what? I don't want, do, we, uh, do we have to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this one's on me. No one got a question right. <laughs> zero zero time. <laughs> that's got to be the first ever in history. Yeah. That's yeah, that's on me. Um, Randy, you're are you so ready? proud of yourself right, right now. Not at all. No, I'm, that's that's the opposite of what I want. I want mm. I want three to three ties, not zero zero. Uh, Randy, are you ready? Ready. Joey, do you understand the rules, and are you ready? Yes. All righty. The uh, answer to that first question, by the way, was Mike Schmidt. Uh, Mike Schmidt owns the record for the most home runs by a third baseman. How many career home runs did Mike Schmidt hit? How many career home runs did Mike Schmidt hit? And it is the record by a third baseman. Randy has put up his answer. Joey, please say yours. Um, 553. Randy, your guess was? 545. We have a winner of today's fight. Ring that bell. 
the winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Wow, that was and sorry, Joey. Randy got you on that one. You guys were both monumentally close on this tiebreaker question. In fact, I, I, we, we, you were one off to win last time. Yeah, and this time you were just, just five win, off. There you go, Randy. That's that. my apologies. You were just five off today, Joey. Mike Schmidt's. Home run total, 548. Randy Carricker, like you heard him guess, 545. He was three off. You were just five off, Joey. One of the closest fights we've seen in a long time. Good job today. Kind of. <laughs> let's, let's, go through, let's go through those questions. Nolan Arnold became just the eighth player in MLB history to hit 300 home runs and win 10 gold gloves. The only other third baseman to do it is, in fact, Mike Schmidt. Brooks Robinson with 268 career home runs. Joel Embiid sealed his second consecutive NBA scoring title with 33 points per game. Somehow, Shaquille O'Neal never did it. It is Bob McAdoo from 1974 hmm. to 1976. He actually won three in a row, the last center to do that. There are only two players in AL NL history older than Nelson Cruz to drive in six runs. The oldest to ever do it at 43 years old, 1991. Carlton Fisk did it for the Chicago White Sox at 43 years old. And then everyone now knows the Jordan Walker stat. Youngest 20-year-old since Ted Williams, 1939. But he is still chasing Eddie Murphy, who who opened his career with with a 12-game hitting streak in 1913. And then became a really good comedian. Really good comedian. In fact, I don't know how he was fitting in the leather at that age, but man, he was looking good. So he win today in the fight for Randy character joey thank you so much for joining the fight in the show today thanks guys i appreciate it thank you very much job, joey. joey good to have you with us coming up on 101 espn did the live schedule come back to bite brooks kept get the masters it's coming your way on 101 espn you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers Well, I think, first of all, the weather that the players had to deal with this week was so difficult from super hot early in the week to really cold and windy and rainy and wet and coming off the golf course and coming back. I mean, John Rahm was absolutely the best player from Thursday till the last putt dropped. I think that was the key. That's ESPN's Andy North talking about the final day of the Masters, which, by the way, was grueling in and of itself because they essentially had to play two rounds and Saturday was just brutal weather, and then it was cool yesterday at the beginning of the day. Wound up getting very, very nice. But the question is, were was a guy like Brooks Kepka affected by the fact that they're only playing 54 holes now on the Live Tour? I would tend to argue no, based upon the fact that Phil Mickelson was 7-under for the final day, yeah. and some other Live golfers were performing at a very high level. I think this is just one of those situations where a golfer couldn't hang on to the lead. And by the way, John Rahm was sensational, but it, it was dicey for Brooks going into the start of play yesterday with a four-shot lead. It's really hard to maintain that sort of excellence that he displayed on Saturday. I Yeah, I would say, th- say so. I also wonder, though, do you think it has anything to do with, I would say, the far less competitive live tour has something to do with that as well because I mean it's no cut exhibition style 54 holes and it makes you wonder if the fact that Rom was able to outlast those guys if that had something to do with it as well too it could be 
But it just, it seems to me like if if you play three days or if you play four, because those guys, for the most part, are practicing, although Brooks is a guy who has glorified his game by saying, I don't really practice. I would think that would probably be more along the lines of what happened, is that he just doesn't prepare himself to play 72 holes over four days. So you're saying he doesn't give 100%. Oh, well, this, is, this is a guy that said, the only time I play golf, you see me on TV. That's the, the poster child for yeah. not giving 100%, right? Yeah. And and it probably, to his detriment in this moment, unable to finish. Um, I don't know if All it's... $150 million would make to differ. Uh, well, yeah. That, that una- <laughs> unable to finish in this moment. Um, but clearly making enough money to not worry about those types of things. I don't know if it's so much that the Live Tour didn't prepare them. As you said, Phil uh, Mickelson finished well, as well, as did uh, Patrick Reed. They both finished in the top five, had no issues. So I don't think that that's really the issue. I think it's just Brooks Kepka just couldn't hold on to the lead. And as you said, that Saturday, Sunday, that, well, Saturday was was awful right the the wind you saw trees falling then they had to finish yeah. the 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 third round on sunday take a break uh, and then come back and finish the fourth round so it, it, maybe it wore on him but i don't know if it's just because of the live tour i think it's just him personally unable to uh hold off john rom as he was chasing him down well, and as you as you just kind of pointed out there, Mickelson, I mean, what a final round that that was for him, shooting a final round of 65 or second place at the age of 52. Yeah, it's the best round ever for a player 50 or older at the Masters. He was remarkable. Now, is he going to be able to sustain that? He really had one stellar round. But when we get to the PGA Championship next month, is he going to be able to maintain that? No, I mean, he's been terrible for a pro golfer. For the last five months, he's been terrible, and he's shooting 73, 70. Who was it that said a couple of weeks ago, hey, if the Saudis want to pay a 52-year-old Phil Mickelson $200 million to shoot 72, 74, more power to him. Right. But that's kind of who he is now. I think yesterday was probably the aberration for him. But that's okay. It's you know what he finished second in the Masters. He he that's pretty darn good. If if the aberration can be that you finished second in the Masters, that's great. I guess my my question would be if you if you took the money from Live, obviously it's about the money. This is John Rahm won three point two million dollars. I think mm-hmm. that's what the number was for for winning the Masters. It's not about the money. What is it about then? Like what's the purpose of of playing? In in the Masters, is it the prestige? Like you still want that 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 those fans and people to recognize you and and give you the the, the love well, that you were accustomed to. Brooks Kepka said yesterday, "This is the greatest golf tournament in the world." Every golfer still wants to win the Masters. Every golfer still at their heart. If you're good enough to be a pro golfer and you've been, if you've won majors, you're really competitive. I, and, I, that, I agree. And that is something that just doesn't go away. So I think he's got all of that. I think now he's healthy. And I, I'm, I really do think he would never say it because he's got the money and he's got the Saudis. You don't want to have them on your back. <laughs> but I bet you if he had to do it all over again, because he thought he was done physically. Right. I'll bet you if he had to do it all over again, knowing how he felt this weekend, that Kepka wouldn't make the move. Maybe. Because he's maybe. He was golden. I mean, he, he's got all the endorsements. Yeah. Right. He was making a ton of money. And he was going to keep, if, if he was healthy, he knew he was, he had a Tiger esque run in majors. He knew he was going to make a ton of money. Now, is he, here's the thing he was making money to not be a good golfer on the Live Tour. He would have made, not, not made money. Well, right. On because the if he wasn't healthy. Right. But if he, if, if he was healthy, if he knew he was going to be healthy, and, 
Who knows, right? But he didn't know that he was going to be healthy again. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I understand the, the purpose of them obviously going to get into big contracts. No one wants to – if you can work less and get paid more, I think that's pretty much everybody's idea of Don't the dream job. <laughs> but I just think that – the, the the Masters is such a, a tournament that has you know such esteem. It's so looked upon as such a great thing that they wanted to play in both. I, I don't know that I agree that they should have been allowed to play in both. I know they were going back and forth about it. Uh, but thankfully, as I said earlier, John Rahm, we owe you beverages because you, you – Got everything right with the you, world of golf. You saved, saved, saved the golf world. As we know it. <laughs> well, you know, with the live golfers making up three of that top five, do you think the narrative of live players not being able to compete in majors, as you're just saying, that that's just kind of thrown out the window? I think it is. After yeah, they're, this they're, weekend? Those guys are still good golfers. I really thought when those guys left, I, I thought Phil thought that he was done. I thought Bryson DeChambeau, who's still, his injuries, I thought he thought he was done. Kepka. I really thought most of the guys thought that they were kind of heading off to pasture. But clearly, if they're healthy, they can still play. And Patrick Reed, just nobody liked him on the PGA Tour, and nobody likes him now. I mean, he's, he's wanna... coleslaw. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> he is. Yeah, yes. He, he, he's the essence. But there are some some players out there that, uh, on the Live Tour, they could, if they're healthy, they could play every week and, and be in the hunt every week on the PGA Tour, unless they're going against John Rahm, who has played seven events this year and has won four. There's a question here. Do you make more money winning the Masters or make more money because you won the Masters? It would be because you won, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to make – John yeah. Rahm yeah. made the most at 3.2 this year, but right. you're, you're going to make more money after winning the Masters because of endorsements and other things that come – Come with it. And if you're the right guy, I mean, Patrick Reed, I mean, really, <laughs> no, nobody likes this guy. So he, he was. Somebody likes him. Well, his mom. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing with him, though. Yesterday, you see him all weekend. He doesn't have one logo. All he has is the live stuff. Mm. So it's different for him than it is for Bubba Watson or Rory or even Sergio Garcia or Tiger or Phil or John Rahm or Hideki Matsuyama. All those guys will be able to. Monetize it. There's only one guy that has yeah. it. So yes, the, to the point, you get more from winning the Masters than after winning the Masters than from winning the Masters. Yeah. Well, and that's why it's even more surprising that Brooks wasn't sporting something live related because yeah. it seems like that was something to the other guys. And also, that's this- what Brooke. But to interrupt you for one second, that's why I think what I do that he would come back if if yes. presented the opportunity. Oh, 100. Well, yeah. When you bring up that point, I think that that does make a lot of sense too. Also for Rom. He became world number one after this weekend. Yeah. He's a, he's just a stud. He's great. And he's a good guy. Yes. I wonder if we, we have to get in touch with Katie Wu and find out if Katie Wu knows him. Because he's, Katie's 26, he's 28. They both went to Arizona State. I don't know. Big oh, campus. Really? Like, that was the biggest school in America at the time. I don't know. <laughs> hey, you both went to Arizona State. You got to know each other. So, maybe, you know, both in the sports realm, maybe. Never I don't know. know. We'll find, we'll find oh, out. Somebody pointed out, nah, Patrick Reed's mom doesn't even like him anymore. I remember reading that because he cut off his parents, right? <laughs> That's right. He did. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. He's coleslaw. <laughs> Coming up, the Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the Opening Drive with a Rush Hour Reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. 
905 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Time to uh, give you our rush hour reset. Cardinals and Rockies tonight. Steven Matz for the Redbirds. Herman Marquez for the Rockies. That's a 740 start St. Louis time after the Cardinals lost yesterday, unfortunately, in Milwaukee. The Brewers took two of three. Six to one was the final yesterday. And the highlight of the game, obviously, was Jordan Walker getting a base hit for the ninth consecutive game, an RBI hit. And he is everything that we could have expected and probably a little bit more. He really is. He's done a fantastic job. As, as I said, just seeing the ball well, not not feeling or seeming uncomfortable or out of sorts at any point. He's, he's doing a fantastic job. And so far, really everything as advertised, right? He's mm-hmm. done all of the things that we thought um, – he would do. I, I'm still looking forward to that 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 step in the outfield where he becomes a little bit better at judging the ball or understanding how the ball is going to bounce off different walls. Obviously, it's, it's um, different when you're in different ballparks for the first time, but it'll come around and he'll figure it out. But it, all in all, it's been it's been outstanding to watch. And he's leading your team in hitting at 350. What is it? 353, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Is his his average right now? He's tied for first in home runs with two. And he has eight RBIs right now Amazing. for this team. Amazing. I mean, he just, he looks, I I will, I feel like I just keep saying this, but you have to applaud the fact that he's 20 years old, but he looks like he's meant to be here. He doesn't look nervous. He doesn't, you know, look anxious in any, any way. He looks like he has the perfect approach to this where he's not thinking too much about what's going on or getting caught up in all these different stats like you know obviously being tied with Ted Williams is huge but he's not getting caught up in all that he's just taking everything one game at a time yeah the splendid winter also got uh, he, had, he had nine consecutive games to start his career although as I mentioned earlier he cooled off a bit so he was uh, <laughs> after the the I assume it was after he died uh, they decapitated Ted Williams. They, they, they put, <laughs> and they took him to you assume after he, okay. Yeah, they, they took him to a place called Alcor in Phoenix. Okay, and they put his head on a tuna can. Huh? And the tuna can stuck to it. So this place is you're supposed to get DNA and be able to to recreate make a new Ted yeah. Williams. What do, what do we call it when we, uh, that was, uh, clone. Clone. There you yeah. go. Ted, clone Ted Williams. So uh, anyway, yeah, Ted Williams uh, wound up being really tight with a can of tuna. What? It, it didn't work what? out. So here's the here's the story. Didn't work out? Yeah. <laughs> no, just wondering. I haven't seen another Ted Williams. No, we haven't seen happened. it yet. So uh, many. just waiting for the technology, Carrie. Any, any any day any now. Day now? Any day now. Oh, okay. So. Uh, an, an Alcor employee tried to remove the tuna can. He grabbed a monkey wrench, heaved a mighty swing, missing the tuna can completely, oh but goodness. hitting the head dead center. Tiny pieces of frozen head sprayed around the room. <laughs> what? <laughs> the next swing, however, knocked the can loose. This did happen to uh, Ted Williams, who... Uh, <laughs> That's a, if ever there was a, a cold streak in his career, this was it. <laughs> why? What's, why? What? Why did he do? I'm. I'm so. He, so well, he Walt didn't Disney do it. Called cryonics. Did, he, he didn't do it. But like I'm saying, like why would you even want to go through this process? The process be... is known as cryonics. is conducted with the hope that someday scientists will be able to bring the subjects back to life. The head and the bodies, along with those of cats, dogs, and other pets, are stored in stainless steel containers at extremely cold temperatures. That is it's disturbing. Like, um, like um, demolition man. That yeah. movie. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I believe they did, I believe uh, they did it to Disney too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Walt. what I was yeah. saying. Is so that, that's, the, yeah, there's other yeah. people. There's and other there's, people too. There's rumors. There's rumors that Disney's head is like somewhere. Oh yeah, it, it's World. not so with him. I don't <laughs> no longer with him. No, you, you oh. three. I never want to hear you complaining about a head cold. <laughs> oh my you had gosh! On the splendid winter. <laughs> You know, a lot of times he had to, uh, he had almost three thousand hits. A lot of frozen ropes. Yeah. Oh my god. You are. I mean, I, I don't know if, if I don't know. I guess I would have to uh, do what my family member asked if they if that's what they asked for in death. As long as they got the money to take care of it. I mean, yeah, you may come back. It'd be would Ted Williams. Would that be like we talked I, Friday? I, that'd be the greatest comeback oh, of all time. Oh, if he comes back, does he come back at the age that he died, or does he come back as a younger? Because I don't think the age that he passed away he can hit the ball the way he could when he was younger. No, I'm with you. I, I would. I would hope <laughs> that they well could bring back like prime. the yeah the 22 year old okay, Ted Williams. If you were like Ted Williams, like grandson, you're playing like high school ball, and somebody goes, "Man, you even got a hit in like six games. That's quite the cold streak." Just look over him, like you should see the one my grandpa's on. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. I, that's I just beyond. Fun. Wait, it was against his will? Well, his family. <laughs> He's not here to have a say in right. it. But I'm saying, I thought that like literally he must have signed off on it before he passed away. Because that's a very specific thing. But now I'm reading this article that says he was frozen against his will by his son in a bid mm-hmm. to bring back the kid back to life one day. Yeah. Would he be a kid? He's, 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 he's. What? I'm that's just disturbing. I don't think he had a say in it, though. That's no, what, that's what it said. After, you after get, you're gone, you, you don't, don't. But I'm saying, really like, know. you would you would put in your will, I either want to be, you know, buried, I want to be frozen and brought back to life one day. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would even know that that was, I, I wouldn't know that that was a possibility. Until he, they bring him back. He yeah. said, how the hell am I here? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Oh, so, no. Be struggling. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. How did they decide on a tuna can? Why not? Why not chicken breast? <laughs> All right. Chicken and the sea. This is what it was. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, you've learned something about Ted Williams today. Uh, so the Cardinals are back in action tonight. Packy Norton to the 15-day IL with a left forearm strain. Blues will wrap up their season games Wednesday here against the Stars. Thursday in Dallas against the Stars. City SC loses 3-0 to uh, Seattle. Hate that. But the Battlehawks win the first ever uh, overtime game in XFL history. 21-17 over the Vipers. Yes, how did they do it? Well, you get a two-point conversion try. It's kind of like the uh, shootout in the NHL. You get a two-point conversion try. And they wound up with two successful ones. And John Rahm won the Masters. Tiger withdrew because of plantar fasciitis. And that brings you up to date. That's our Rush Hour Reset uh, coming up. Take a look at our bird watch from earlier. So the Cardinals are kind of scuffling. I'm going to tell you. And Brooke is going to tell you what her issue is right now. Carrie's going to tell you what his is. And I've got mine. We're next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The walks are, are weird. I'll figure that out. That's something that'll, that'll get taken care of. Um, 
you know, the, the first game was really weird, and then today was was a little bit more sporadic with them. They didn't I never mean, felt like I lost it, scattered a few hits, but just put myself in bad spots with the walks. What we need to do with Jack Flaherty is just not watch the games. Just don't watch the game. Just know that he allowed two runs on five in five innings. Okay. You take that. You say, okay, my starting pitcher in 2023, he allowed two runs in five innings. I'm good. That's what I think about Jack Flaherty. I think you just need to... You get worked up. You get tense when you're watching Jack Flaherty pitching. That happens when the guy throws 94 pitches in five innings and he walks six. That is going to cause some tension. It's going to cause, cause your blood, love, blood, blood pressure to rise a little bit. So here's my suggestion. And this is with all due respect to our friend Chip Carey and, and of course, BT and our friends at Bally Sports who traditionally have the number one rated show during the summer here in St. Louis with Cardinal Baseball. When Jack Flaherty's pitching, don't watch. Just, just oh, turn their backs. Gosh. Come back, come back late. You know, seven o'clock game. <laughs> come back at eight thirty, and the Cardinals will be down two nothing or up four two or something like that. He'll allow two runs in five innings, and you won't have any idea, so you won't be stressed. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that they'll be able to work that way, Randy. I think they have to call the pitches in the games as they're played. Well. I'm, I'm talking about just us as fans. Oh. And maybe Ollie just hang out. I thought you meant Chip and, and BT oh, just no, don't. No, they, they have to do the game. They're going to be stressed. They have to deal with that. But they, that's on their pay grade. Okay. They, they, they get All paid right. for that. Ollie might do well just to get tossed, get thrown out in the first inning when Flaherty <laughs> not pitches. Have to watch not it. have to watch it. And then they can, after the fifth inning, they yep. can and then, then Yeah, then uh, Joe McEwing can come back and say, hey, you allowed two and five innings. And don't tell him all the other stuff, they, and Ollie will be golden. Because the other stuff is the walks, <laughs> right? right? The other yeah. stuff is, is leadoff walks that end up being run scored. If you can prevent yourself from doing that, generally, you're going you're gonna to be okay. If th- those leadoff walks almost always lead to, to, to a run being scored. So, um, you know, it, it goes both ways. Obviously, you want the Cardinals to – you want Jack Flaherty to, to, to pitch well and perform well. But you also need the, the, the hitters. I think, Brooke, you talked about the, the batting average with runners on base earlier. It, it, there were times, even yesterday, they had bases loaded with zero outs and you don't score a run. Those types of things can't take place. You got to find ways to score runs. But as a starting pitcher, you want to limit the number of walks that you're you're allowing. And, and Jack Flaherty has l- allowed, what is it, 13 walks in his first first two games? That, yeah. that, that's a lot of walks for for uh, to start the season off. We got to do a little bit better. Well, and you think about this though, there are 15 National League teams, and they each have five starting pitchers, right? So that's 75 starting pitchers in the National League. If my math is correct, right? 50 plus 25, yeah, yeah that'd be 70. 75 starting pitchers. Jack Flaherty is 14th in the National League in earned run average. That's good. Sandy Alcantara is 15th. Okay. We'll take Jack that. Jack Flaherty is better than Sandy Alcantara right now. Based I, on I like that how number. you said right okay. now. <laughs> I like how you said I, right well, I gotta, now. I, I got to go small sample size. <laughs> Sandy Alcantara pitched a, uh, 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 a complete game a couple of days ago, didn't he? Yeah, Jack, w- w- he would have one if he put his two starts together. <laughs> 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 we gotta just limit the walks, man. If you, if you, he, he, I think that first game, especially, he was trying to be too perfect. You limit the walks, you'll be better. I do think, even with the frustration that we experienced with him, and with the frustration that we're experiencing with the starting pitching in general, 
I'm actually more bothered by, not concerned about, but bothered by the fact that for the last five games, the offense has not lived up to what we expect it to be and what it should be. I mean, our expectations are not unreasonable for this offense. No, and but here's the thing, is the power's there. We know that the ability's there. We know that this this was going to be probably their strongest you know, attribute going into the season is the Cardinals offense. But this weekend, you know, you mentioned, Carrie, this is very alarming, I think, when you're looking at timely hitting, because that's the most important thing. The Cardinals left 30 men on base this weekend, 30 men on base. Just this weekend, a combined five for 24 with runners in scoring position. That's a 208 batting average. Over the last six games, a 204 average with runners in scoring positions. That is nine for 44. That is not time. Good. What I'm what I'm seeing there, timely hitting. Mm-hmm, right. And there's a lot of different pieces here, right? Because I mentioned early earlier, Brendan Donovan. I would like to see him take more walks. You have Paul Goldschmidt. He has two RBIs so far. Tyler O'Neill zero. There's a lot of different things going on here that maybe needed to be shifted around. And as I mentioned earlier, what will it look like when Lars Newtbar comes back into that situation as well, too? Well, with and by the way, Tyler did has had a better run of it since he was thrown out at the plate. But you aren't taking Walker out, no. right? And so, does Newtbar get the lion's share of the time in right? And O'Neill stay in center, or does something else happen? Walker's your right fielder. Who's going to play left? Who's going to play center when Lars is back? Randy, I, I I have not been on the Dylan Carlson bandwagon as much as you have. You have been steadfast in your belief that he is a outstand that he is an outstanding player with a lot of talent, still young, still growing in the game. I may be coming around to that that mindset that Dylan Carlson. Maybe should have more opportunities to play. He's outstanding in 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 the outfield. He's done a great job. He doesn't look as stiff as as Tyler O'Neill does uh, when it's time to field the ball, and he's been hitting the ball pretty well as well. So I don't know. I know we know Jordan Walker is in right field, center field, and left field is still you know ups for grabs. But that depends on and and whoever's in center field and left field will will tell you how the lineup should shake out. I think Walker eventually moves up, and then if Dylan Carlson is in center field, he could be the number two hitter. You, mm-hmm. you want to have somebody that can get on and can actually move when they get on for the guys that are coming behind them. So I, you got to figure something out, and I think it starts with figuring out that outfield and figuring out who is where. And maybe, and you have to switch positions around, maybe the Cardinals would do well. And Alec Burleson hits left-handers. He's got a 966 OPS early on. He's hitting 318 with a 375 on base. I don't know how you take Alec Burleson out of the lineup either. He can't be in the two-hole, though. For no. me. Like no. he, he, I, I can hit him down in the lineup. You got to move him down. Yeah. yeah. He needs to be because I think that that's something that's not exactly benefiting Goldie when I was talking about some of those stats earlier is it feels like you're just kind of missing that early one-two punch right now with the Cardinals before getting into Goldie and Arenado. Yeah, and I, I think Newt Bar coming back will add a little bit of not just the palpable energy that he brings, but a little bit more speed to the lineup, too, and a little bit more aggressiveness. I know Tyler O'Neill was aggressive, but that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think just figuring out how this outfield shakes out is going to figure out, is going to help you decipher how this lineup is going to going to pan out, because you got to figure out how to get people on base in front of Goldie and Arenado, and I don't know if I, I want Jordan Walker in the two holes just yet. I don't know if he's mm-hmm. he's there. I, I think five six is probably a good spot for him um, behind Wilson Contreras, who I, I really like in the five hole. It's going to be 
Dylan Carlson probably needs to be playing a little bit more. And and he has more has to have you know more at bats and, and more opportunities in the outfield. I'm with you. I, I have no problem with that. It's and you know what? If nothing else, you build up his trade value. If, if he can perform, it, you, you've got five guys now. You can't play them all, especially right. when you have Gorman as a DH. You can't play them all. So why not give him the opportunity to prove what he can do? By the way, this year Carlson, who historically has not been a very good left-handed hitter, and hasn't had many opportunities this year as a left-handed hitter. But as a lefty this year, he's hitting 400 with a 900 OPS. Only six plate appearances, but he is uh, he's two for five and has done everything that you could expect of him as a left-handed hitter. By the way, hitting 333 right-handed as well. So I'm with you. Give him an opportunity to let him play, especially against Colorado. Let him hit a few home runs there. This outfield has been so interesting in the way of, not to take away anything from Jordan Walker, but I wasn't expecting that his job would be like the most secured out of all of them. <laughs> no. right. he, that's that's the guy right now where it's like, whatever we need to do to make sure Walker is an everyday player, that needs to happen. Yeah. And that says a lot about where the position the rest of this outfield is in mm-hmm. right now. It's Walker's job and then everybody else's Got to figure it out, yeah. One other quick note here about the Cardinals so far, and we as observers, we tend to go old school and just look at batting average, but here are these guys. you got Contreras hitting 259, Goldie 333, Donovan only 233 with a uh, 273 on base, Edmund 250. He has had a lot of opportunities with runners in scoring position and hasn't come through. But then you've got Nolan Arenado at 351, you've got Burleson at 318, you've got O'Neal at 267, Walker at 353, uh, Gorman at 318. Uh, Did I mention Goldie at 333? I'm just wondering why this team is having so many problems scoring runs. And you've nailed it's it, timely Brooke. Hitting. It's timely yeah. hitting. It's timely hitting. Yep. So guys are hitting, just not at the right times. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up on 101 ESPN, why can't players these days run the bases? <laughs> Coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. On the ground to third, Moncada's coming home, throw is high, Sebi got there, and that is out at the plate. And Cruz is hurt. Now Cruz went into him. I mean, that was not Sebi's fault right there. That was yesterday, the White Sox and O'Neill Cruz of the Pittsburgh Pirates with a questionable base running play that caused him to fracture an ankle. And that was just not smart base running on the part of O'Neill Cruz, and that will cost him multiple weeks on their roster. It was an idiotic play. I understand him moving towards the infield to try to, you know, disrupt the throw from the third baseman to the catcher. But the slide was terrible, and the slide was was his own fault. He slid. The, the rules were put in place where you can no longer run over catchers. Mm-hmm. You can no longer catchers could no longer block the plate. It seems as though the White Sox catcher was doing his job, and 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 um, Cruz just slid into him awkwardly, breaking his own leg, which caused caused a uh, a melee between the two teams. But it was Cruz's own fault for getting injured and really having the the, the Pirates team be upset to start that that altercation between both squads. And we'll miss what is it, ten to twelve weeks? Mm-hmm. Ten yeah. to twelve weeks. So, not good. And we look at our team, speaking of base running, the Cardinals lead the National League on 
uh, being thrown out at home. They've been thrown out at home four times. They've been thrown out on the bases totally six times. There's only one team, Philadelphia, that's been thrown out on the bases more than the Cardinals have. And I appreciate the aggressiveness. I appreciate wanting to make the other team make a play. But when you are the Cardinals and you have as much power as you do, those are valuable runners to be losing on the bases. You don't want to make the mistakes, at, at, but I, I do, as you said, Randy, I do appreciate the the aggressiveness, the idea that they can make it because you put the onus on the on the throw, on the outfielder to make an accurate throw. In this case, you put the, the onus on the third baseman for Cruz to, to make an accurate throw to home plate. I like that because at times it's hard to, to, to do that, but, you know, you got to make it there and not get tagged out. And by the way, along those lines with aggressiveness, The only team that has less stolen base attempts in the National League right now than the Cardinals is the team they're playing tonight. The Cardinals have tried four stolen bases. They've stolen three out of four. And the Rockies have only tried two stolen bases this year. And they've been successful on both attempts. It seems to me like, and by the way, the Cardinals, they... They haven't had an, a ton of opportunities with their athletic guys being at first base, but it seems to me like with the rules in place as they are, take advantage of the athleticism that you have in the and the bigger bases and the fact that teams don't build their base running defense anymore to defend the run, uh, the, the stolen base. Yeah, I, I feel like we also spoke about before the season started, we predicted that there was going to be a lot of stolen bases because you have the bigger bases. Everybody's seen the image, right? It looks like a freaking pizza box <laughs> when right. you've seen some of the photos of it. So we thought naturally that that would be something that would be really good, especially for the Cardinals because we've seen how they've used it in, in the past. But maybe that was more of a Mike Schilt era thing. Yeah, but you look now at teams that are kind of old school, Atlanta, and there's only three teams that have had more stolen base opportunities than the Cardinals. The Dodgers, 151. The Braves, 148. The Cardinals, 145. Both the Braves and Mets have had 148 opportunities. And we're here nine games in. The Braves have tried nine stolen bases. They've been successful on eight. The Mets have tried 10 stolen bases. They've been successful on nine of their 10. The Dodgers have only tried four. They're they're one and three. But the Padres, five stolen bases and six attempts. Brewers, five stolen bases and seven attempts. The uh, Diamondbacks, 17 stolen bases and 18 attempts. If other teams are doing it, why can't the Cardinals? Well, you got to get on. You got to have those opportunities, and, and, and they're you fourth in the league in opportunities. You just got to go. I mean, you got to go. You got to go. Be aggressive. It, it, be aggressive. If you're going to be aggressive on going from first to third or from second to home and getting thrown out at times, you might as well be aggressive on the base path, base path, paths, and try to have some more steal attempts. You just, you just got to try and go. You know what I think it is? I think the Cardinals play with a level, uh, and I get the analytics part of it, but they play with a level of fear. I hate analytics, Randy. Well, analytics say that you shouldn't, you only have 27 outs and you can't risk giving one up. Well, you know, the Braves are pretty good and the Braves are, are, they've stolen eight out of nine. If you can pick your spots correctly and be a decent base running team, then you can have a lot of success. The Cardinals in 1985, different era altogether, but they were first in the league in runs when they stole 314 bases. You can score runs as a result of having runners in scoring position. It's an interesting concept, I know. Runners in scoring position many times lead to runs. Well, it makes you wonder, too, if there needs to be a bigger discussion of philosophy here. Because even we were talking about the kerfuffle between Mm -hmm. Tyler O'Neill and Ali Marmol. The biggest thing is 
base running, right? Maybe this needs to be a grander discussion with the Cardinals and the players about base running because it also begs the question, are we just not seeing it as much with these younger players that are coming up? And Brooke, you hit the nail on the head a moment ago when you mentioned the name Mike Schilt. That's the biggest kerfuffle we've had with the Cardinals in a long time. Philosophical differences. And they were the best base running team and one of the most aggressive teams in baseball. Don't you have to logically think that part of the reason that there were philosophical differences was because uh, if it wasn't Mike Schilt, if it was Mike Matheny or Ali Marmol managing, they weren't nearly as aggressive. And I have to think that the analytics people won out, and that was a big part of the philosophical differences, is that they didn't want to risk their precious outs, and Schilt was willing to play a game that led to a little bit more old school. And more opportunities to score runs without hitting a home run. Exactly. I think aggressive is always the way to go. But if if this is what analytics, analytics is telling you about, this is where the game's going and what they're wanting to see out of these younger players. Because, you know, you even have here on the notes, I mean, we, we've seen what happened with O'Neal. You know, Newt Barr getting his finger jammed, his thumb jammed. And then even Walker during spring training mm-hmm. didn't know how to properly slide. Yeah, that, that's, that's why you need not to bring, a, bring Vince Coleman to camp. That, that is, is you should have people teaching you how to slide. Yeah. You, that should never be an issue. You went we head had, first. Yeah, we had quarterback. We had I've had quarterbacks that I play with. They brought in former baseball players or trainers to teach quarterbacks how Mike Vick didn't know how to slide. You have to <laughs> teach him how to actually slide like a baseball player in order to not get hurt. Guys, this is a franchise that has Ozzie Smith in tra- in spring training. It's not that difficult to get Ozzie to tell guys and show guys he stole more than 500 bases in his career. He can show guys how to how to slide properly. You have Vince he's Coleman slide. around too. He will. You think he'll still get down there oh, yeah. in the dirt? He'll do anything. You have yeah. you have Vince Coleman still around as <laughs> yeah. well too. I saw a video of him talking to Jordan Walker. I I think that. I don't know. I I remember hearing this discussion a while ago and it always stuck with me about athletes that we see now. We're seeing this. This might sound a little bit weird, but it seems like athletes are more athletic than they've ever have Mm -hmm. been before. But sometimes what's getting lost in that is the fundamentals. Oh, yeah. 100 percent. You you see that with with basketball all the time. Like Mm -hmm. these guys are so athletic, but they don't know how to screen and roll. They don't know how to do the minor minor details of a game that that because they're so (laughs) influenced by the drill work as opposed to actually playing. Playing the game, and I'm sure that goes along with baseball as well. Their their launch angle became such a uh, an important thing. You got to drive it out. You got to drive well. Sometimes you need to hit it on the on the right side of the infield to move the runner over or to get guys to from second to third. It just it, it's the minor details that are lacking. And when you have all of the information available to you, it's mind boggling that most of these people don't know how to do it. And I hope the fact that the Cardinals have lost more runners at the plate early in the season than any other team in the National League. The fact that they're second in the National League and losing runners on bases, I don't hope that doesn't put even more fear into the mind of Ollie and his coaches. I hope that they maintain the aggressiveness because of what you guys are talking about. This is a very athletic team, and yes. more times than not, they should not get thrown out. Well, when I, And the analytics, I, I, <laughs> I would tell them to take their paper and do something with I it. I know you would. <laughs> Man, if you're not on the field in that moment, I don't care. The numbers only give me an idea of what could happen. It doesn't tell me what's going to happen. And so 
in that moment, as a player, you have to have a feel for what's taking place in that moment, how well the pitcher is pitching. Is he throwing over? Has he thrown over a couple of times? Is he eyeballing? Does he want to throw over? Is the catcher that's behind the plate, what is he doing? Is he having a bad day? All of those things are not analytic-driven. They are personal on the field, they mm-hmm. are people, not numbers. Well, I'm going to point out something. You know why front offices and team management love analytics? Contract negotiations, yep. because yep. they can sit there and say, this is what you're projected to do. How many times have you heard that, especially with players going through arbitration in Major League Baseball, where they said they literally bring up, they will pull up what they think that you're going to do with 100%. the rest of your time there? And that's why it's so driven by analytics, I feel like now in a lot of ways, because they it's easier to set you to a specific number. You're 100% right. That's Brooke. That's Carrie. I'm Randy. Coming up, we've got rock and roll as we head down the stretch on this edition of The Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. Hey, kids. 101 ESPN is your chance to win a pair of Blues tickets to the final home game of the season. They welcome the Dallas Stars to Enterprise Center on Wednesday. And 101 ESPN wants to send you to the game. All you need to do is text in to 314-399-9646. That's 314-399-YOHO! Come on, keep up with the program, kids. Uh, we were for not, your you chance. Try that one more time, right? Uh, we were one. not locked in at okay. all. That's on me. Normally, okay. oh, I, I'm, I mean, it like I, came out of me. nowhere. Uh, it did come out of nowhere. Normally, you don't do it during the promotion, so I therefore, it, it really... You know, caught me off guard. So let's let's try it one more time. I do that are listening at nine forty nine. Right. Here we go. Three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six. If you're using the letters on your phone on your keypad, that would be three one four three nine nine. Yo ho! Well done. Much better. Uh, for <laughs> your a, chance to solo act that first time. <laughs> that was good, Randy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, kind of acapella. <laughs> Uh, your chance to score a pair of tickets to the Blues' final home game of the season Wednesday night against the Stars. And let's see if Matthew has a trivia question for us. I do. This one's a little tricky. You're going to have to pull this one out of the top of your hat. But I did this. like to fight today. I did this in <laughs> homage oh. to my good friend, Carrie Davis. I'm just going to keep on rolling. I'm not even going to. I'm just going to truck on right through. <laughs> one of our favorite players uh, on the Blues this year has been Callie Rosen. Callie Rosen. There it is. How many goals does Callie Rosen have this year for the St. Louis Blues? How many goals does Callie Rosen, clap, 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 have for the St. Louis Blues this season? Texture number 43. There it is. Texture number 43. Like the correct answer. Gets the tickets to the Blues game on Wednesday night against the Stars. All right, it's time for rock and roll. What do you got? Well, Randy, you mentioned this to me, and, and so I, I dug a little bit deeper, and now I, I got to get into what's going on in the NBA right now. No, we're not going to talk about yet the multiple fights that somehow happened on the last day of the regular season. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about an investigation that could be going on right now into a non-playoff team because Jason Kidd made some comments over the weekend after O'Dallas Mavericks game that... Well, it, 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 it tipped the hands of what the Mavericks are doing. Here was Jason Kidd uh, after the game on Saturday. Understanding it's not so much waving the white flag. It's, you know, decisions sometimes are hard in this business. And uh, you have to make hard decisions. Um, and we're trying to build a championship team. Um, and sometimes you got to take a step back. And uh, understanding, again, um, with this decision, um, this is maybe a step back. But hopefully it leads to going up forward. 
See, now that's how you set up for a tank job right there. That's how you do it, Jason Kidd. I don't understand when you still had an opportunity to make it to the playoffs. You got Luka. You got Kyrie. You got a a, a team. I mean, Luka's a, a superstar. Kyrie has been a, a pretty a superstar in this league. Why wouldn't you want to make the playoffs? Obviously, you want the top 10 draft pick. I get it. But you don't know when you're going to have a chance to win a championship again. Every year is different. Luka could do what Chet Holmgren did and mess his plantar fasciitis up beginning of the season. Who knows? You might not have it next year. Why not take the chance to go out and win the game? Hello, you play to win the game. Here's, if you haven't heard, here's what happened in the season-ending loss that Dallas suffered to the Bulls. They sat Kyrie Irving, Tim Hardaway, who they said had left ankle soreness, small forward Josh Green, rest, power forward and center rest. Max Kleber, right hamstring injury recover, recovery, and Christian Wood, rest, for the last Randy. game of the season. <laughs> now, here's the thing, though, Kerry. If you are a rational owner or general manager of the Mavericks, you know that you aren't winning any championships this year. Do you want to give up that top 10 protected pick to the Knicks, which you would have to do, or do you want to have to, uh, and you can defer it to next year, or do you, do you want to just, like Jason Kidd said, build, take a step back to build for the future? Yeah, Jason Kidd might not be there for the future. Like, I, I, I want to win now. I don't give a you gonna win with that damn group? what you got. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the playoffs. We just saw uh, McDaniels from, from uh, Minnesota break his hand punching uh, a wall. We saw Rudy Gobert and his teammate fighting on the sideline. We saw Mason <laughs> Plum, Plumley and, and, and his teammate Bones Highland fighting. I don't know what the hell is going to happen Are the Mavericks in 24 to 48 hours. No. Thank you. But if the Warriors, I mean, Are I've the Mavericks seen, beating I, the Suns? No. Okay. But again, Kevin Durant, did you know he's going to sprain his ankle in warm-ups? No. And he, anything is possible. No, so it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> Just say it. That but video is I, terrible I don't blame of that happening, by the way. When he, <laughs> it was. I, it's not, I shouldn't laugh. It, but you, it was, you should. It was, it's it the was, most unathletic thing ever. You were ever. like, wait, is that... That really just happened? <laughs> Jason Kidd was also asked during the press conference about uh, his thoughts on the decision, and he was pretty blunt about where, where it was coming from and his thoughts on it. He was. Do you agree with the decision? Uh, yes, those are my bosses, so yes. <laughs> Which is also oh pretty much the quote God. that Adrian Wojnarowski went, right on went and said, the bluntness with which Jason <sighs> Kidd pretty much said the owners told him, we have a better chance to lose these games on purpose, sit these players and let's roll. Essentially, the NBA is now looking into a potential investigation. Listen, here's my thing. The NBA's biggest problem is not this form of tanking. This is just gamesmanship for a team in a very specific thing where they've fallen apart, they're not going to win a championship, and they have the ability to get below the marker of not giving away a top 10 pick, or not giving away a lottery pick that isn't in the top 10. Specifically, the NBA needs to get rid of full season tanking. That's the NBA's big problem. This is not what they need to really focus on, in my opinion. But here's the other thing. So they sat five players. Aren't there mid-season games where the Warriors sit Steph and Clay and Draymond? I mean, isn't it the exact same thing? You tell me you're going to sit a guy for rest and you got seven months of rest. I'm not going for that. 
Christian Wood get out there. What the hell are you resting for? You're not going to play another game until October. Maybe he's worn up. No way you're that tired. The other thing is, if I am Jason Kidd, I pay attention to all sports and all of things that take place. There is one Brian Flores who was told, yeah, tank, don't worry about it, and then gets fired when they hi- and they hire someone else to take your place. There is, I, I understand, you got to do what your bosses tell you to do, but that doesn't, you should be saving emails, messages, and all things that are required because at some point they are going to fire you, Jason Kidd, mm-hmm. and you're going to be on the outside looking in because that's what they told you you should do. It might be this summer. Luca might come in and say, yeah, I don't want that guy here anymore. And now you're out of a job. So you missed an opportunity to have a run in the playoffs, to be seen more, to show that you can coach at an elite level. And now you don't have that opportunity, and now you're on the outside looking in. Just my personal opinion. I don't know, you know, whatever. Whatever you like. Do your I just, thing. I don't think this is investigation worthy from the NBA. That's that's the bottom line. I, I don't, I don't think I, I want to be a part of an organization that doesn't want to win championships. Fair Listen, enough. I talk, me, me and Carrie, we talked about this off the air. Carrie, if you're Jason Kidd, I think this is just the nail in the coffin on the fact that you and the front office of the Dallas Mavericks have some philosophical differences. Well, and here's the thing. Of all the owners in the NBA, the last one I would say doesn't want to win championships is Mark Cuban. I would agree with that until this moment just took place. But I think he's looking at the future. I think he's looking at getting a top 10 pick. And I, I think he's he, he knows what he has this year, and he knows that he can be better if he gets the right young player in place. Unfortunately, the NBA draft only matters with the first three to five picks. Eight to 10? Eh. It's right. You're, no, there's no doubt. You're it's, not going to get it's a, a, roll of the dice. a game-changing, life-altering player that is going to come in and be a star. Where did Giannis get taken? Uh, 16th? 14th? He was late, not late Giannis. Lottery. Late lottery. Where did he, Dirk he was, get taken? Yeah. I mean, this is apples there to is apples. A, there, if, is, there is an exception to every rule, but the rule generally is that you're not going to get that guy. What about Jokic? Uh, second round. What about Embiid? Exception. He was uh, like top five, right? Third, he was first, third, third, third or fourth overall, yeah, but he so would have been first yeah. overall if he hadn't been hurt. Yeah. But if you're if you're Cuban, you say, well, I did it before. So, Well, good luck to those guys. I'm not a Mavericks fan. Yeah, me either. Good for them. Hey, at least they got they got uh, Luka for Trey Young. <laughs> they bad. did do that. Not, not bad. A great job today by our producer engineer, Matthew Rocchio. Thank you, sir. Pleasure. Brooke, this was a fun Monday. This was a fun Monday. Yeah, happy Easter Monday to everybody. Easter C- Monday. Yeah, CD. My man. My man. Oh, okay. Hey, and we thank you for tuning in, <laughs> texting in, and being a part of the show. Did we get a winner, by the way? Uh, how many goals does Callie Rosen have? Eight. He eight. has eight goals this season. Okay. And it's not enough because he hasn't played enough, right, Kerry? Not at all. He, he would have be. had like 30 if only yeah. he yeah. played. It would have been unbelievable. Yes. Easily. We've got a <laughs> balloon party with T-Mac and Ajax coming up for all of us. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show till tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.